Okay, good morning and welcome to the program. Nice to have you company. I love the smell of banter in the morning. Give me a call, 13 12 69. That's the telephone number if you'd like to have you say all the news, but most importantly, your views on 13 12 69 on this Wednesday, January the 20th, 2021. If you want to send us a text, you can do that, 0458 049 209. That's 0458 049 209 for a text. And the emails, we welcome those. MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com. Alrighty, nine minutes after six. Now, the easing of certain restrictions in time for Australia Day will be considered by the state government's COVID-19 crisis cabinets today. Any relaxing of the rules may, however, rely on more people coming forward to get tested. The Premier, Gladys Berejiklian, said senior ministers are definitely in a space of wanting to ease restrictions, but any decision would be based on health advice as authorities continued mopping up the Barala outbreak. Increasing limits for gatherings and caps on weddings and funerals are on the table, but senior ministers were still unsure yesterday as to when any decisions would be made. Now, in Greater Sydney... As we know, households can only have five visitors and outdoor gatherings are capped at 30 people, while weddings and funerals are limited to 100 people under the four square metre rule. In regional New South Wales, things are operating with far fewer restrictions in place. In comments that sparked a fresh volley of attacks from her state counterparts, the Premier, Gladys Berejiklian, said there is no reason for borders to be closed. Well, I actually happen to agree with it. There are no hot spots, if you like, anywhere at the moment. In you know, when you talk about hot spots, you talk about um, in the same vein as what health authorities uh, deem them to be, and according to health regulations through all of the jurisdictions around Australia, there are no hot spots. So why are borders still closed? Travel from New South Wales to Western Australia is still banned without an exemption. With WA Premier Mark McGowan yesterday lashing out at Ms Berejiklian over her border comments. I mean, he said, I just urge the New South Wales Liberal government to stop. Their constant criticism and carping is getting tiresome. Well, maybe you might think that Mark McGowan, but remember, New South Wales is the one state that's done Well, the vast amount of heavy lifting when it comes to receiving people from overseas, we were always going to get one or two or even more new cases of COVID-19 from hotel quarantine. What have you done over there in WA? Well, compared to New South Wales, diddly squat. Anyway, Mark McGowan vowed to fight what he said were, quote-unquote, attempts to bring down the health measures that have worked in states like WA. Queensland and Victoria require travellers from New South Wales to apply for an entry pass, with anyone from certain hotspot areas banned without an exemption. Well, again, yesterday we had zero local community transmissions in New South Wales. There were two New cases of COVID-19, but they were in hotel quarantine. So again, another donut day, if you like. But borders remain closed to New South Wales residents. Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews said earlier this week he would ease restrictions as soon as we possibly make that change. 
All right, well, what about Australia Day? Federal Chief Health Officer Paul Kelly reiterated there were, quote, no hotspots in Australia, at least from the Commonwealth perspective. And this is the whole problem, isn't it? Not everybody remains on the same page here. This new border stoush comes ahead of Australia Day celebrations, which will operate with greatly reduced crowds in the city. Australia Day, we are one, we are many. But, unfortunately, due to state governments doing their own thing, we are certainly divided. And the other thing you've got to remember as well, the ACT remains closed, apparently to residents, but not politicians. Yep, federal police from 10 Sydney councils will be allowed to skip two weeks of quarantine in Canberra in order to attend Parliament on February the 2nd. That's despite Sydney residents from impacted local government areas currently being banned from entering the ACT without an exemption. Politicians, including Anthony Albanese, will be granted exemptions from quarantine because they are considered essential workers. Travel restrictions are currently in place for residents of Blacktown, Burwood, Canada Bay, Canterbury-Bankstown, Cumberland, Fairfield, Inner West, Liverpool, Parramatta and Strathfield. ACT residents returning from those areas need to tell authorities before arrival and quarantine for 14 days on return. Non-ACT residents are banned from entering without an exemption. Again, different rules for different jurisdictions. Alrighty, 13 12 69, the telephone number if you would like to have your say. Well, congratulations to the Indian cricket side, uh, Rishabh Pant and his teammates on a magnificent, a magnificent series against Australia. I mean, a lot of people doubted India because they had so many injuries. They lost their skipper, Virat Kohli, who left, of course, to see the, uh, well, to be there for the birth of a child back in India, etc. They had a whole stack of injuries and everybody basically wrote them off. They were playing against a superstar Australian side. But, unfortunately, Australia lost. Why? Well, the Indians were just too good. They were far too positive. They had far too much belief in their ability and they were extremely resilient. What do you make of it? Give me a call. 13 12 69, the telephone number. Genuine talk on the radio. This is Marcus Paul in the No morning. jab, no way. Exclusive pub band plan for anti-vaxxers. Tell you something, mate. This COVID is a thing that keeps giving. And I think they're just pumping it for as much as they can because while that's happening... They're just doing what they want to do. It's a distraction, Jeff. You're absolutely right. We're bringing you all the news and the views. Marcus Paul in the morning. All right, today, uh, Federal Opposition Leader Anthony Albanese will be in Perth, where he will deliver a speech to the Perth US Asia Centre. Um, Albo will use the occasion of Joe Biden's inauguration to give a major speech on the importance of the US-Australia alliance and define what it means for Australia going forward. He'll make the argument that Scott Morrison has corroded the alliance by prioritising his feelings for Donald Trump and pandering to the extremists in his own base. 
and he will outline Labor's vision for how we can work with the new administration to ensure we get the best out of the Alliance for Australia and our region. So that's Albo today. What's ScoMo doing? Sorry, Promo doing? Well, he's up there cuddling lambs. Who takes their photographer with them while they're on holiday? Promo does. Anyway, 13 12 69, the telephone number if you want to have your say. Uh, look, speaking of Joe Biden, his inauguration our time tomorrow morning early. He'll be dialing into the program a little later this morning, as will outgoing US President Donald Trump. That'll be fun. Alex Chelios joining us as well from thebigsmoke.com.au. But the open line is there for you now. 13 12 69, 21 after 6. Skip, skip. <laughs> Men at work on Marcus Paul in the morning and Be Good Johnny. 23 minutes after 6, give me a call. Let me know what's on your mind. 13 12 69, the telephone number. Well, I read with interest that more than 1 million residents in New South Wales have withdrawn $10 billion from their super early, with about a quarter wiping out their retirement savings. Around 225,000 New South Wales workers took their super balance down to around zero in the past nine months, the most of anywhere in the country, according to analysis by Industry Super Australia. Well, kind of makes sense, particularly if you're a younger person trying to make their way in an expensive city like Sydney, cost you a fortune to live in Sydney, to rent, let alone buy, And, of course, tolls, increased cost of living, etc. Wages haven't gone up and we're in the middle of a pandemic. So it all makes perfect sense to me. Young people in the electorate of Sydney withdrew $445 million alone with around 12,907 of the 45,000-odd people who access super early draining their account entirely. Well... (laughs) I'm not surprised by this. And to be honest, I'm not even alarmed by it. Uh, Because if they're young, they've still got plenty of time to uh, build that super nest egg up again. But, you know, (laughs) these young people in Sydney probably have been hit the hardest by the COVID-19 pandemic. Some of them, I would imagine, have had to rely on their super just to get by. I don't imagine for a second that, you know, the vast majority of people accessing their super have have done it simply to go out and buy things like a a new flat screen telly or a new car. Obviously some would, but I don't think you raid your super unless you absolutely 100% have to. And during this pandemic, a lot of people, younger people in particular, have lost work. Those who might be studying and have only been working part-time. Maybe they built up a little bit of super, so they've had to access it in order to pay their bills and to do silly things like, I don't know, eat. But you watch today, there'll be a, a swag of people coming out saying, doom and gloom, all these young people have raided their super accounts. Well, the criticism will come from those who haven't missed a paycheck during the COVID-19 pandemic. Can guarantee you that. Anyway, I'll talk a little bit more about this this morning. If you want to have your say, 13 12 69, the telephone number.
All right, waves of up to five metres are expected to lash the New South Wales coast over the coming days, prompting calls for people to avoid the water. I'll give you a full update on a wet and wild week coming up across New South Wales along the coast. That's after the news. Genuine talk on the radio. This is Marcus Paul in the morning. The Police Minister of New South Wales, David Elliott. I'm sick of these sooks who seem to think that, you know, putting on a mask is either difficult or, uh, or an infringement. It's not. This is, you know, we're a nation of soldiers. We're Anzacs. We're, you know, we, we, every year we take yep. on the blue, the, the, the All Blacks on the rugby pitch. The, you know, we built the Surrey Mountain scheme. We're, I, I can't believe that there is an Australia 2021 who, who, who seems to think that uh, it's too difficult to wear a mask out in public. Yeah, it's, it's, it's got to become a habit. It has, and it's, and it's a massive change in our lifestyle, in our culture, but it's not one that's going to be around forever. No, it's and it's not. certainly not one that's, that's, that's going to, you know, that, that it's costing people uh, their lives. The, the, the reality is that if you don't wear it, you're probably going to cost a life. It's not going to hurt you to put it on. We're bringing you all the news and the views. Marcus Paul in the morning. Okay, welcome back to the show. It is Wednesday, January 20, 2021. Alex Chelios joins us from thebigsmoke.com.au in around about half an hour's time. Always great catching up with Alex. We've got a call in as well to Shane Oliver from AMP. He's AMP Capital's Chief Economist. Uh, In relation to uh, the amount of money being taken out of super by a number of young Australians, in particular young Sydney-siders, more than one million New South Wales residents withdrew $10 billion from their super early, with around a quarter wiping out their retirement savings. Most of these have come from Sydney. Uh, look, Sydney City itself, $445 million alone, with around 12,900 of the 45,000 people who access super early draining their account entirely. They tell us that around 30,000 people in the inner west electorate of Reed withdrew $306.7 million, while 28,000 people in the seat of Barton cashed in $291 million. Now, the federal government scheme, as we know, allowed Australians who had lost work to withdraw up to $10,000 two times during the pandemic. AMP Capital's chief economist, Shane Oliver, said withdrawing super early was a trade-off some Australians may have found necessary in order to cover rent or just simply to get by. So we've got a call into Shane this morning, and hopefully we'll be able to get him on the program just to explain these figures a little in a little more detail for us. Meanwhile, Australia's biggest banks will stop giving automatic mortgage holidays to homeowners struggling because of COVID-19. Major lenders are contacting tens of thousands of customers who are yet to start repaying their loans. At the height of the COVID-19 outbreaks last year, hundreds of thousands of homeowners accepted a mortgage payment pause as workplaces stood down staff during national shutdowns to limit outbreaks. In an emergency decision to stop homeowners from facing foreclosure and arrears, lenders including the NAB, Westpac, the Commonwealth and the ANZ, all the big banks, basically agreed to give widespread holidays from payments. But it was always going to come to an end. Banks are now preparing to rebuff 
new applications for this relief in preparation for the end of the program in March. A note from National Australia Bank to mortgage brokers seen by the Sydney Morning Herald said it would not accept any applications after January 20. Boy, oh boy, that could be a concern for a number of homeowners. Give me a call. Are you worried about this? 13 12 69, the telephone number. Meanwhile, I see a national quarantine bubble for boarding school students has been proposed as expats have told of their anguish at sending their children back to Australia to undergo hotel quarantine unaccompanied before school gets back in the next week or so. It's been revealed this week New South Wales Health has overhauled its policies so unaccompanied minors returning to Australia must go into hotel quarantine rather than self-isolate at a, res- at a residence. That's due to the risks posed by new COVID-19 strains. Now, New South Wales Health strongly encourages parents or guardians to voluntarily complete hotel quarantine with the children but that is not an option for many who reside overseas and send their kids to boarding schools here in Australia. Parents in that situation say it was an agonising choice, weighing their children's education against concerns about the possible psychological effects of unaccompanied hotel quarantine. What do you make of that? Meanwhile, another story this morning in relation to schools. One in five New South Wales private schools have not raised their fees, while others reduced their usual price hike this year, leading to the lowest inflation rate for private school tuition in more than a decade. Yet the state's independent schools have raised their fees by 1.74% on average, down from 3% last year as they try to provide some sort of relief to families and maintain enrolments amid the economic downturn and the pandemic. Analysis of fees at 400 private schools by education leader Ed Start showed fees rose an average 1.05% this year, down, 0.2.83, down from 2.83% last year and 3.2% in 2018. Well, obviously they're trying to keep their enrolment numbers up while providing relief for parents sending their kids to some of the most affluent and most expensive schools in Sydney. All right, give us a call. The open line is there for you this morning if you want to send an email. MP in the morning at 2SM, supernetwork.com. And of course, you can always send us to text. 0458-049-209 is that text number. We've got a couple coming through. We'll get to in just a couple of moments. It's now 18 minutes away from 7. Marcus Paul in the morning. Show. I'm practicing your name so I can say it to your 
face it doesn't seem right to look you in the eye let all the things you mean to me come tumbling out my mouth indeed it's time to tell you why I say it's infinitely true Marcus Paul in the morning, 13 12 69 is the telephone number. If you'd like to have you say 13 minutes away from 7, now away from 6 in Queensland. Well, they tell us waves of up to 5 metres are expected to lash the New South Wales coast over the coming days, prompting calls for people to avoid the water. A hazardous surf warning has been issued for the entirety of the state's beachside locations. 
everywhere from Coffs Harbour right down to Sydney and extending to Eden near the Victorian border is in the firing line. The Bureau of Meteorology forecaster Melody Sturm said the surge was being caused by a low-pressure system in the southern Tasman Sea. And she says that it's pushed a large, powerful swell in our direction. Miss Sturm said waves of between four and five metres were expected close to the coast today. They could be larger than this, depending on the location along the coast. We're also dealing with a higher wave period, so even the smaller ones could feel quite powerful. So, in in relation to this, New South Wales police are urging people to stay out of the water and avoid walking near surf-exposed areas. Recreational boaties have also been warned to consider delaying their trip after the wild weather. New South Wales is set to swelter with a severe four-day heatwave forecast for the Australia Day long weekend next week. Look, speaking of Australia Day, as we know, it's become one of the most controversial dates on our calendar, polarising those who want to celebrate the arrival of the First Fleet on the shores and those who say it sparked an era of untold suffering for First Nation people. Now, this is a little controversial, but I'd love to get your thoughts on it. Zali Stegall, the Warringah MP who replaced Tony Abbott, has called for councils across Australia and in her electorate to include a one-minute silence on January 26 in recognition of Indigenous Australian lives that have been lost since the first Europeans arrived. Ms Stegall said there should be a formal recognition of the loss, hurt and sorrow felt by our Indigenous community on January 26. We might put a call into Ms Stegall this morning, see if she'll come on the program, Justin. Uh, Ms Stegall has written to the Australian Local Government Association and the three mayors of North Sydney, Mossman and the Northern Beaches Councils asking them to consider including the one-minute silence as a part of the acknowledgement of country at, at, at their ceremonies. And she says the councils provide an important leadership role in commemorating this day by hosting numerous formal and informal ceremonies and activities for their communities But, however, January 26 provokes a range of emotions for many within our community. While it marks the commencement of European colonisation of this land, Zali Steckel says it also represents the commencement of violence, disempowerment and displacement of our Indigenous communities that has created sorrow, discrimination and hardship that has lasted for generations. Yep, that's Warringah MP Zali Stegel. What do you make of it? Give us a call, 13 12 69. We've also put a, a link to that story and for your comments up on our social media this morning. Hashtag Marcus Paul in the morning on Facebook, if you'd like to have your say on it there. Genuine talk on the radio. This is Marcus Paul in the morning. $300,000 plus a month just to do a so-called cultural review on a scandal-plagued agency. I mean, that's like adding salt to a wound. I mean, people have lost their jobs for far less. Ministers have stood down for far less. But it's almost as as if 
There's nothing to see here. This government doesn't think that the rules apply to themselves anymore, and I think that they think that they can get away with anything uh, and they won't be held to account. The difference is, is that this time sick and injured workers and employers are angry about what's gone wrong because ultimately that list of misdemeanours has been paid for by small businesses and big businesses with the money that was meant to help sick and injured workers get back to their health and get back to their jobs. We're bringing you all the news and the views. Marcus Paul in the morning. All right, now you may have heard during the news yesterday that there was an incident up there in Katoomba, normally uh, sleepy Katoomba. Unfortunately, there was a four-hour standoff or siege, if you like, that's seen a man charged with multiple domestic violence and assault offences. At around 10 o'clock yesterday, emergency services were called to a home on Lowline Street following reports of a concern for welfare. Police had been told a 41-year-old woman at the property had been threatened by a 44-year-old man who was known to her before she fled the home. Police will allege the man was armed with a hatchet at the time. For goodness sake. So Blue Mountains Police... Uh, along with a swag of outside help, including uh, the tactical operations unit negotiators and the dog unit, well, they commenced an operation and began negotiations with the man still inside the property. Meanwhile, the woman was treated by Ambos at the scene before being transferred to Katoomba Hospital. She had suffered minor injuries. Now, just before 2 o'clock, officers entered the home and arrested the man, thank goodness, without incidents. He was taken to Katoomba Police Station and then charged with detaining a person with intent to obtain advantage, causing bodily harm, assaults, etc. Apparently he choked this woman allegedly as well. Anyway, he was refused bail and this bloke who caused all sorts of dramas in Katoomba yesterday will front Penrith Local Court this morning. All right, the federal government's home builder scheme has experienced a tripling in applications. It's reported today in The Australian the uptake of the $25,000 grants will result in over $50 billion in broader economic activity this year in 2021. That makes homeowners a key driver of our economic recovery from COVID-19 this year. All right, now we're going to catch up with uh, the New South Wales Shadow Minister for the Environment, our hashtag koala warrior. Yeah, Kate Washington, she'll be on the program just after 7 o'clock this morning. Why? Well, the New South Wales government is being urged to cull feral horses in the Mount Kosciuszko National Park. It comes after Federal Minister for the Environment Susan Lee backed the move. Kate Washington says there's now no excuse for any further delays. So we'll catch up with Kate on the program in the next 10 minutes after the news, which is next at 7 o'clock, New South Wales Daylight Saving Time. Good morning and welcome back to the show. Wednesday, January 20, 2021. You know what that music means. We're about to talk to one of our hashtag warriors this time around, our koala warrior, who's the Shadow Minister for the Environment in New South Wales, Kate Washington. Good morning, Kate. Morning, Marcus. 
You say there's no excuse for any further delays in the culling of, well, feral horses, brumbies in the Kosciuszko National Park. Susan Lee yesterday has backed the move. So what do you reckon? Get on with it. Absolutely. When you've got the federal minister saying it needs to happen and you've got the coalition that it's been in paralysis for years, which has allowed the Brumby, the feral horse numbers to explode, they need to start doing something to reverse the harm that's been done over so many years. It's a contentious issue. People don't like the idea of, you know, what some refer to as iconic Australian animals being culled. How do we do it while at the same time being humane and compassionate? Well, you're right. It is, it is a, it's a, a difficult issue, but it's one that the government ought to have made um, a decision on and have acted on strongly. And the decision needed to be in favour of the national interest being the survival of native animals and the species that are at risk of extinction in Kosciuszko National Park. Now, as you say, no one wants to see any animals harmed. Everybody that's on both sides of this argument care about horses, but there has to be that difficult decision in the, in the national interest and preserving uh, native Australian species over and above feral horses that can live anywhere else. Well, the native yeah. species that live there, they can't live anywhere else. Well, that's right. Now, we had the first aerial survey since the catastrophic 2019-2020 fires reveal that there were an estimated 14,000 horses in the National Park, 5,000 fewer than the previous year, but the survey conducted in in October and November shows the population of horses is still far greater than estimates of around 2,000 and 6,000 back in 2014. We know that these... Brumbies or wild horses trample on fragile land, erode waterways and destroy the habitat of endangered species. The horses also compound the environmental impact of bushfires by trampling and grazing during revegetation. Yeah, the, the, the harm that they wreak up in the high country is enormous. And there are, as you've mentioned, the impacts on endangered species, on the fragile ecosystems. And it's the, and it's also the headwaters of the Murrumbidgee, the Murray and the Snowy Rivers. And they're being compacted daily, whereas the, the park should be acting as a massive sponge for the Murray-Darling Basin. But it's being hardened every day by the heavy hooves of these animals yeah. that don't, that were never meant to live in this area. So, you know, this is a, a, an iconic Australian area that unfortunately the government has chosen to put uh, put the feral horses on, um, giving them higher protections. They, the Barilaro passed the Brumby Bill in in the gov- in the in Parliament. Well, he's but, done you know, a one eighty on this, hasn't he? Remember, there was a time there when he sided with Peter Cochran and other interests down there in the Kosciuszko, and now Mr. Barilaro, of course, whose electorate of Monero includes parts of the Kosciuszko National Park. He's basically saying that the latest count shows the population is simply too high. Yes, he does. And I hope that that position holds. Already we've seen him backtracking on some of the, some of the language he's used on that, which I find disturbing. So I'm hopeful that there is now agreement between the federal 
government, federal coalition government, the state and the, and the coalition between themselves because that has been the paralysis, the argument between yeah. Barilaro and Keane. Mm. So if that is over, we welcome it. But they now need to get on with the job. All right. Always good to have you on the program, Kate. We'll catch up soon. I appreciate your time as always. Thanks, Mark. It's good to talk. All right. There she is, uh, our New South Wales Shadow Environment Minister, Kate Washington. <sighs> Okay, 13 minutes after seven, if you want to have your say, 13, 12, 69. I'm just wondering whether your boss can legally make you go back into the office during COVID. What does the law say? We're going to talk to Alex Chelios from thebigsmoke.com.au about this in just a few moments. Give me a call. Let me know what's on your mind at 14 minutes after seven, after six in Queensland. Our telephone number, 13, 12, 69. You want to send me an email, MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com. Time for some Australian beats. UFO, sneaky sound system. Marcus Paul in the morning.
sneaky sound system and I saw a UFO, 131269, the telephone number, Marcus Paul in the morning. 18 minutes after seven. Look, Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison has put his personal affinity with Donald Trump ahead of the national interest, damaging relations with the incoming Biden-Harris Democratic team. So says Labor leader Anthony Albanese. Now, Albo will make a major speech today ahead of Joe Biden's inauguration as the 46th President of the United States. And Albo's taken aim at ScoMo's handling of the alliance and key challenges, including climate change. Albanese warns the Biden administration's climate policy will leave Australia, quote-unquote, totally isolated on the world stage. And he's called for Morrison to re-engage with multilateral cooperation after quote, pandering to Trump with rhetoric about negative globalism. The Prime Minister has attempted to distance himself from Trump in recent days, indirectly condemning his role in encouraging the US Capitol mob, and yesterday insisted that he has no plans to speak to Trump as he leaves office. Anyway, so Albo will make an important keynote speech today at the US Asia Centre in Perth. All right, Alex Chelios in the big smoke in just a moment. Mark's on the open line. G'day, mate. I'd have to agree with all that with Morrison and Trump and what Albanese is saying. Well, it'll be interesting to see what the rest of the country makes of well, it. Well, he never gave a straight answer. If anyone said anything about Trump, he never gave a straight answer. Well, he usually then, his bottom lip and as if to say, don't worry about a thing. <laughs> anyway. Yes. The, the thing with this, the horses. Yep. Did you know this? Snowy Mountains Authority wants them gone too because all the rivers are turning to mud. Well, a lot of people want them gone. I just, you know, it's one of these issues. Nobody likes the idea of, of shooting animals, particularly no, uh, horses. Not. But, I mean, at the end of the day, if they're causing so much environmental damage, we don't have a choice, I don't think, Mark. Because they're not, they're not meant to be there. It's because they're hard-hoofed animals. And those uh, places up there have evolved for thousands and thousands of years with soft-hoofed animals, soft-hoofed animals. Yeah, I've got you, yeah. And it, um, it's just, it's not working. It's completely the opposite of what it should be. And that's why the river's all eroding. You get all the rivers turning to mud. Yep. All the fish are now dying. And we've got carp, we've got, which they're getting rid of. Mm. We've got horses, pigs, goats. Everything that's not meant to be there, it's... Destroying the place. Well, that's right. As, as Kate Washington said, Mark, and thank you for the, your call, Kate Washington was very clear when she said this morning that, look, these feral horses can basically live anywhere, but some of the native flora and fauna that's in the Snowy Mountains can't, and they need to be, te- be protected first and foremost. Thank you for the call, mate. Appreciate it. 21 after 7. And now on Marcus Paul in the Morning, Alex in the Big Smoke. Well, hello, Chelios. Hello, how are you? Oh, look, I can't complain. Uh, it's great to have you back on the show for 2021. I love our chats. You know that. I do. All right, can your boss legally make you go back to the office during COVID? What does the law say about this? So this is a big um, issue for a lot of people who are very concerned around um, the ability to keep the pandemic under control and workers being expected to return to the office. Now, um, this is occurring in New South Wales at the moment. Um, in Victoria, um, the scheduled date for the safe return to the workplace, um, yeah. 
you know, is going to be announced over the next coming days. Can you be forced back? The law says that if your workplace has a COVID-safe plan and your job requires you to be into the be in the office, yeah. your employer can say it's time to return. Now, it's more around understanding the Fair Work Act um, and it's really about making sure that there is that COVID-safe plan. So if, for example, you've got a medical condition that impacts your immunity, then you can't be forced back into the workplace. Um, but I think it's also about employers understanding employee fears and trying to navigate this and mental health considerations as well. Yeah, that's true. All right, is the Morrison government's refusal to condemn Trump's response to the riot able to be read as implicit support? I mean, let's be let's be fair here. I don't imagine for a moment that Scott Morrison in particular would endorse. Yeah. I mean, he's he's basically he's disendorsed the behaviour in the Capitol, um, but he hasn't really come out and been critical of Donald Trump. And he's one of the few global leaders that hasn't. Um, global leaders have condemned Trump's. Um, propaganda, and even our own Turnbull and John Houston have, have come out to talk about that anyone with any credibility isn't condemning Donald Trump for his conduct. conduct. But the, the problem we've got here, I don't think that it's that Scott Morrison is sitting there supporting Trump. I think the problem is he, it's his inability to condemn, a, condemn what's happened, um, and it's actually an insight into his weakness as a leader at the moment. So I think it's his priority, as Albo said, to maintain chums with Trump rather than speak out against a climate that has been built on racist, anti-scientific views that were fueled by a sitting president. So I just think it's not a time in history to be more concerned about your relationships. It's shameful and dangerous, and it's more about speaking out against what's happening in this climate. Mm. I mean, Albo, uh, in a written copy of the speech that I've got here in front of me, argues that Scott Morrison's gone too far in cultivating the US president, partly out of his affinity with Donald Trump, partly because of the political constituency that they share. I mean, Albo cites sharing a campaign rally stage with Donald Trump in Ohio and neglecting to meet with any senior Democrats over a week-long visit to the United States in 2019 as evidence. I mean, on that trip, Scott Morrison also praised Donald Trump's political priorities, stating that the pair share a lot of the same views. I think that Scott Morrison, as we've seen with his um, being prime minister over the past few years, has shown that he's got more conservative views and religiously affiliated views, which is a concern for a lot of people. And it's very much fueling what's happening in America at the moment. But I don't. I think that's a very different issue from suggesting that he would support. The, the racist rhetoric that's coming from, from Trump, I think it's his weakness and inability to condemn that's the problem. And I do think he will support Biden um, long term because ultimately Scott Morrison wants what's best for Scott Morrison. Video games could be the future of remote work. Instead of Zoom calls, you can build rapport with your colleagues through avatar versions of yourselves in a game eating lunch together. What on earth, Alex? So this will be like kind of, you know, those Sims games? Yes. So it'll be like that, but your colleagues. So you can see a, an office and you can all sit out there at your desk and they will all be digitised, the avatars of yourselves in a cloud-based um, remote workforce. Yes. And um, and basically the idea is that meet employees can take meetings um, in this virtual um, ecosystem. You could even go to the virtual beach that's near your office and have lunch there together Ooh. and you could be sitting at your computer eating a sandwich and your, your friend is at work and you're both sitting on the, on the beach. Um, nice. And there's a lot of companies that are already doing this. So it's right. actually becoming quite popular. Mm. It's a little like, I don't know, eating chewing gum when you're really hungry. All you're doing is cheating your stomach or cheating yourself. I don't know. But anyway, look, it's all good in fantasy land, I guess.
it's it's interesting. It's about creating an environment that's like a real office, but can be global and digital. It's still fake, though. You know what? I'm okay with it. All right, Alex, great to chat. Let's catch up again next week. Where do we go? Where can my listeners uh, get online to read some of your wonderful articles on The Big Smoke? TheBigSmoke.com.au. That makes sense. Thanks, Alex. (laughs) Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. There she is, Alex Chelios, who, of course, is one of Australia's wonderful independent media operators. And The Big Smoke, it's got quite a a large readership now uh, and some really good uh, journalists who put some uh, fantastic stories together. So check it out. TheBigSmoke.com.au. All right, news is next at 7.30, is the telephone number if you would like to have your say. From Newcastle to Broken Hill. Get, 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 get up. You're listening to Marcus Paul. Call Marcus now, 13.12.69. All right, welcome back on this Wednesday, January 20. It's 25 minutes away from 8. Give us a call. Let us know what's on your mind, 13.12.69. James, good morning, mate. Thanks for holding on. That's okay, Marcus. You're looking good, although grey's not really your colour. Um, Hang on, how do you know I'm wearing grey? I'm a bit concerned by this. Oh, no, yeah, I know. you got to keep your mind and eyes open everywhere, don't you, Marcus? You never know who knows who. All right. It's a very small world. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, one, one thing, a week or so ago I asked you when you spoke to Elbo, yes. um, how come we, you know, the opposition, that's their job, is always to, you know, put the government down, but they never put up uh, their proposals, how they would operate things. And then um, today, you were just talking to us at Kate Washington. Yep. You asked her a straight question. Um, how would you handle the culling of these Brumbies? Yeah, she sidestepped it. She did, didn't yeah, she? Yeah, she read political ease and just went <laughs> on. And I thought, you know you'd uh, get into her and say, no, hang on, well, how would you do it? You know, I was hoping you would actually get into and try to get a natural answer out of her, but you didn't. So maybe next time you might. But well, otherwise, that's uh, look, I, I suspect, in fact, I do. I know that they support the shooting of, yeah. of Brumbies, and, that, and that's the, the way it's being done. Look, they've tried to relocate them. They've relocated a few hundred, but ultimately uh, yeah. what you'll find, sadly, is that a, a few of them will get a bullet. Yeah, um, and on a more serious note, um, yeah. yesterday you um, you had the gentleman, uh, or we won't call him a gentleman. He wanted to say, wanted to ask the question about would the Muslims come in for our uh, anthem or yeah. whatever? Yeah yeah, 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 I know. And you didn't, you've forgotten one thing though. When you said, "Oh, there's no Aboriginal Muslims," you know, Muslims are all from there. You're really going to upset Anthony Mundine. He's Aboriginal and a Muslim, so look out. The guy mightn't be that far off the track that he said that. Uh, yes, but uh, I, he wasn't referring to Anthony Albanese or, or any Aboriginals that have perhaps uh, reverted to um, Muslims. That's Anthony you know, Mundine, not Albanese. Uh, well, look, I don't, uh, I don't really care whether you're, you're Aboriginal, whether you're Muslim or otherwise. At the end of the day, what we need to be doing is ensuring that uh, we pay respects uh, to Indigenous folk, no matter what religion they follow. Um, and yesterday, yeah, it was interesting. Have we got that? Yeah, here it is. Here's a little of what went down yesterday. It was just one of those days. Marcus Paul in the morning. I've worked out that while you do this program, and I was told by John that all the trolls come out on the text line <laughs> because they don't have the intestinal fortitude to ring 
and have a crack themselves. But all the trolls come out on the text line. Rob says, Marcus, you're appalling. You're a tool of the highest order. You're a Nazi setter. I won't have it, says Big Marcus. Go away, you buffhead. Keep your head in the sand, you lefty loon. If you are the future of talkback on this station, it's another sign the loonies are running the asylum regards Rob. Well, Rob, how about you give me a call? I might be a a loony lefty, as you say, but at least I have the guts to say what I feel without hiding behind a keyboard like you. Big man, give me a call. Just want to talk about the Indigenous Australian anthem. Yeah. What are we going to have next? The Muslims want to have their input on this? No, because they're not Indigenous Australians, and that's a stupid comment to make. What a ridiculous comment to make. What are we going to have next? A Muslim national anthem? You're a moron, mate. What on earth would make you go in that direction? We're talking about Indigenous Australians, Muslim people from the Middle East or from other nations, aren't Indigenous to Australia. Yeah, I was just listening to your program there. Yeah. I just sort of listening there, and it just seemed like you seemed to be sort of cutting everyone off there a bit quick and having a go at everyone, you know? Uh, not always. Um, no, what I was referring to were a couple of nasty emails, and the only people I've cut off are the ones who want to spruik some sort of conspiracy theory miracle cure for COVID because I try to be responsible in my broadcast, that's all. Yeah, like just leaving all my saying about the nation, and these things. I have to go to Hang on, can, any, mate, in English, just slow down so I can understand what you're saying. <laughs> I, mate, I No, I can't understand a word you're saying. Yeah, why, why can't you understand? Because of the way you're talking to me. Can you just slow down so we can understand what you're saying? Right, do you reckon you'll understand this, Marcus? No, I won't, because you're the reason a gene pool needs a lifeguard. Hmm. All right, well, that was yesterday. Let's see how we go today. Uh, look, I think it's already started. Uh, they've already started online in relation to Zali Stegel, who, by the way, we will be speaking to on the Laws program just after 9 o'clock this morning. That'll get people fired up. Uh, yes, the MP who replaced Tony Abbott in Warringah is calling for a minute's silence on Australia Day in honour of Indigenous folk. So, I'm sure that will be divisive. But let's try and keep it as civil as we can. And just because I happen to agree with that, it doesn't mean that I'm a raving lefty. Stop using ridiculous labels because they simply, they don't make sense. Construct an argument as to why rather than just going down the whole labelling path. It just doesn't make sense to me. 19 minutes to wait now if you'd like to have your say. Uh, Good morning to our super radio stations on the Mid-North Coast. FM 93.5, Radio 531. And, you know, we do support responsible recycling. Port Macquarie Hastings Council is encouraging residents to be just like Harry and the Hastings family and make sure you place your rubbish in the correct bins. We've got a link up on our Super Radio Mid-North Coast Facebook site if you want to have a look there this morning. Big story today uh, talks about how, unfortunately, a number of young Australians, but in particular young people living in cities like Sydney, 
have withdrawn around $10 billion from their savings nest eggs. When I say savings, I'm talking about superannuation. Around a quarter of the 1 million New South Wales residents who withdrew from their super early have drained their retirement savings, according to new figures. Around 225,000 New South Wales workers took their super balance down to around $0 in the past nine months. The most of anywhere in the country, according to analysis by Industry Super Australia. Young people in the electorate of Sydney withdrew the most, around $445 billion. And 13,000 of the 45,000 odd people who accessed super early have drained their account entirely. Now, we know the federal government scheme allowed Australians who had lost work during the pandemic to withdraw up to $10,000 two times last year during the pandemic. Well, AMP Capital's Chief Economist Shane Oliver joins us on the program this morning. Hello, Shane. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Well, thank you, and I appreciate your time. Now, you say withdrawing super early was a trade-off that some Australians may have found necessary in order to cover rent or simply to get by, Shane. That's right. There's a trade-off here. Obviously, taking this money out drains their superannuation account and therefore could result in less money in retirement. The flip side, though, is that a lot of these people had very difficult circumstances through the coronavirus shutdown, particularly, say, in hospitality industries, retail and so on. And just to get by, they needed that money. And you could argue, therefore, that uh, to the extent that that early withdrawal system made it easier for them to get by, to, say, keep paying their rent or servicing their mortgage or whatever they needed to do or just pay for day-to-day living costs, then it was worth it. But, of course, I think those young people do need to allow uh, that having that money taken out of their superannuation funds means that they uh, will have less in retirement unless they find a way to put it back in over the next few years. Um, And, of course, they also miss out on the tax benefits that come from superannuation. It is taxed at lower rates than other forms of savings, and, of course, other Australians are still getting those benefits. Well, that's true. Uh, It's not surprising, really, that the majority of those who've accessed their super early under the government scheme come from the more expensive cities in Australia, including Sydney. That's true. There's no surprise there. And, of course, uh, you could argue that Sydney and Melbourne... Um, have been harder hit by coronavirus than some of the other cities like Perth and uh, and Adelaide uh, and even Brisbane. And so, therefore, it's understandable um, uh, that the withdrawals were highest in those cities, particularly Sydney. So there's no surprise to that extent. And, of course, um, people in Sydney have got more debt on. If you're a younger person, you've got more of a debt load than you have, say, in other cities. And likewise, uh, if you're renting, you might have more rent obligations as portion of your income. So therefore, when the coronavirus struck and the the lockdowns hit, the economic impact for those people was a lot harder. Very true. Um, I don't quite understand this. Maybe, I mean, you're a far learned uh, person when it comes to finances and super than what I am. Industry Super Australia Chief Executive Bernie Dean said draining retirement funds was a bad idea. He said, and I quote, busting into super early comes at a steep cost for the individual and future taxpayers. And he says, as a society, we shouldn't be demanding our young people pay the price yet again. So I I get the point that he's trying to make, but wouldn't it make sense that if people are accessing their super early under this scheme, say they've taken out $10,000 in total, 
wouldn't that mean that they're actually less of a burden on taxpayers because they're not having to access JobKeeper or, or other government benefits, or have they been doing both? That, that's true. If, if you take your money out early, then it may mean that you may not have to access JobKeeper or JobSeeker or yeah. other, other forms of government support. So there's a short-term benefit to the taxpayer. I guess what the Industry Super Australia is pointing out is that in the longer term, um, if these people have less in super, therefore they retire with less because that 10000 or 20000 that's taken out in those two tranches um, compounds to a much higher amount by the time you retire because you miss out on the returns on it. Yes, of course. So therefore, they'd be drawing on the pension when they hit retirement. So in that sense, the pensioner picks up the tab at the end. Mm. But of course, that's many, many years away. That's decades away before you get to that point. But in the short term, there could be a saving for the taxpayer. I guess you could also argue, well... Um, the amounts, I think the total amount withdrawn under the superannuation scheme across Australia was about $30 billion and New South Wales was about $10 billion. Yep. Might have been a little bit more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, that is money that might have helped support the economy in the short term. Just like JobKeeper did, the increase in JobSeeker, th- those things pump money into the economy in the short term. Consequently, we were able to recover more quickly through the September quarter. So if you hadn't had that early withdrawal scheme, maybe the economy wouldn't have bounced back as quickly because there would have been more people um, you know, behind on their mortgages or whatever it is Very or defaulting true. on their debt or something. Mm. I mean, there's a couple of schools of thought on this. I mean, young people that have called into my program and that I've spoken to, Shane, would say, well... It's my money. Um, I'm entitled to do what I want with it um, because the government's allowed me to withdraw it. Uh, And the other, of course, uh, school of thought that they bring to the table is, well, look, I've got plenty of time. I'm only 23, 24. I'm going to be working probably till I'm, you know, in my mid to late 70s. So I can always add to my super to make up for the money that I've taken out. I mean, that's a possibility too, isn't it? People can put into their own super to make up for what they've taken out. That, that's certainly true. And of course, um, you know, if you can get by better in the short term and get yourself into a stronger position, like say now, as things start to recover, uh, then you may be in a position to start adding back into your super earlier and therefore you can make up the difference. Yeah. Um, so both of those points are true, and, and it was a scheme that the government uh, came up with, and it was people's money, so they were entitled to do that. So in that sense, that perspective is also correct. It's good to talk to you, Shane. Thank you for your time, and have a good day. My pleasure. Thank you, Marcus, and right. hope you have a great day too. Appreciate it. Shane Oliver, AMP Chief Economist, Marcus Paul in the morning. Uh, don't forget, after 8 o'clock this morning, a couple of very special guests calling into the program. We know that Sleepy Joe is on his way to his inauguration. <laughs> All you need to do is turn on the television to get a blow-by-blow account. Jesus. I mean, what's so exciting, Breakfast TV, of watching Joe Biden board an aircraft? Anyway, get used to it. It's all you're going to see over the coming couple of days. But anyway, uh, Joe will be calling in on the program. Yep, that's right, officially, Sleepy Joe Biden and uh, the outgoing US President Donald Trump will also be joining us after 8 o'clock this morning. Right now, uh, Chris is on the open line. G'day, Chris. G'day, Marcus. How are you? I'm OK, thank you, Chris. Look, I can't help saying this about Joe Biden after hearing you mention him. <laughs> I watched a speech by him the other day. Yeah. 
and I thought in comparison to what we've been dealing with, I thought it was a brilliant speech, and I thought he was very statesmanlike. But that's not what I rang you about. Sure. I rang you about the interview you had with Pauline Hanson. I actually asked you to ask her a question about the loyalties. And I did. I, I heard that. And the results just on the gas, she brought it up before you even asked the question. Yep. As, as, as it's worse than even I could possibly imagine, and that's just gas without the iron ore yep. or the coal or anything else. Mm-hmm. And look, I, I just wanted to mention the Brumbies. Just before you go on to the Brumbies, Chris, just yeah, for, for people who mightn't have heard that chat with Pauline yesterday, we've extracted literally billions of dollars worth of gas resources from Australia to sell off overseas. Billions of dollars. How much? Billions. Yep. How much money has been put back into the Australian economy? In other words, how much have the Australians, the Australian people, we collectively are a part of this country. We own the resources, not our politicians, not the big oil gas companies. But out of the billions of dollars extracted, a paltry three hundred million dollars. Can you believe that? Uh, it, it, it's unbelievable. And Bahrain, they, they benefit, they're a smaller exporter than yep. us, and they get $29 billion back into their economy. Go figure. And we're supposed to be an advanced, developed, uh, first world nation. We're being ripped off blind. Somebody by... said that, and I totally agree with you. Yep. Anyway, mate, all right, uh, what else did you have for me? The, the Brumbies, they're talking about shooting them from the air. Yeah, yeah. If you, if you went and got 20 reasonable stockmen mm. and paid them a decent wage, yep. they could manage those horses and and I know this is terrible and people will go, oh, he's horrible, and they could be processed yep. and it, 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 it'd be all done properly. Like, well, that's like right. A, yep, turned into dog meat. Uh, have that's some, disgraceful. Have some uh, boots on the ground to euthanise these horses as humanely as possible. If you're taking pot shots at Brumbies that are bolting through the Australian bush, and if you're taking pot shots at them from a a height, from a helicopter, chances are you're going to miss. And when you miss, uh, you're going to injure the animal. And, uh, you know, that's that's a far worse death. Yeah, absolutely. All right, mate. Appreciate the call. Thank you. Appreciate it. George, good morning. How are you? Yeah, how you doing, Marcus? All right, thank you, George. What's on your mind, buddy? I'll just let people know that uh, some people were actually getting both JobKeeper and JobSeeker, and apparently they were entitled to both. Well, Legally. It, well, it Believe depends. It well, yes, it all depends. I mean, I think your daughter was getting both. I mean, is she a you know is she a big earner? Does she earn in excess of? You know, a hundred odd thousand dollars a year. No, 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 she didn't. No problem but then. Because because of because of her doing um, twenty hours yep. part time. Yep. Um, she was entitled to the job keeper. Yep. And because she was doing the twenty hours, which is a part time job, she was also entitled to the job seeker. Well, that's, that's good. How they worked it out. It was just crazy. Well, that's good because it, hopefully it's meant that she has kept herself afloat. She's been working. I've got, I've got no problem with people who yeah. are working having their their 
pay or their wages or their, you know, their uh, whatever entitlements they're uh, allowed to receive. I've got no problem with their getting entitlements while you're working. It's the bludgers that don't work, that aren't doing any hours every week, that are long-term unemployed, are the ones who are really, you know, taking us all for mugs. That's what I think. Thanks, George. Six to eight. Latest news, sport and weather not too far away. Marcus Paul in the morning. There she goes. Bye. Sixpence, none the richer. Latest news, sport and weather coming up at eight o'clock. How are you there, over? Miss Scruff, you good? Yeah, young bloke? Hey? I'm good, yeah. What's I'm, happening? Am you busy I a young out bloke there? now? Always busy. Hey, I know you are. <laughs> Answering all those phones, organising all those interviews. Um, are you ready for Sleepy Joe to call through and oh, yes. uh, Donald Trump won't Got be long? the hotline. Now on Marcus Paul in the Morning. The Queen Bee of the Newsroom, Diane Coveney Garland. <laughs> morning, Daisy. How are Good you? Good morning. I'm well, thank you. So you have, at nine minutes after eight, two of your children on L plates at the moment. I do. I <laughs> Good do. Good luck. Good I, luck. Know. I know. Terrifying. So do they prefer to learn with mum or dad? Well, so far they've been driving with granddad and with, with my husband's dad. Yeah. Oh, and okay. they've been a, a little bit, you know, and then they've been driving with my husband, Dave. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't been in a car with either of them behind Why? the wheel yet. Well. <laughs> because I'd like for them to have a little bit more experience before I sit next to them while they're driving. No, because I'm... But hang on, I, hang on. To be fair... How are they going to get experience if, if they're you don't... Not, no, exactly. But it's it's a manual car. And look, I right. grew up driving manuals. and yes. But, you know, you're stuck at traffic lights in a manual, stressing when there's traffic behind you on your L's. So I'll give it a week or so. And then I'll take them out. Um, okay. My idea was, you know, go to the back roads, go around a car park. And my husband's like, no, get them out on the road, get them in the traffic and yeah. get them driving. So we just have a different uh, approach to it all. Uh, but do you stress easily mm. in these oh, circumstances? I, I do. Look, I stress when other people are driving. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not... I wouldn't say I'm a backseat driver. However, I do have a bit of a lead foot when I'm not driving for the brake. Do you know what I mean? I oh, sit there okay. and go, oh, look out for that, look out for this. So, so you might be one of those mums that would stress while trying to teach their children how to operate absolutely. a Absolutely. Yes, I would be. Oh, okay. So, so they're probably happy in a way that they're going with Dad. So is I think so. They haven't even asked me to take them out yet. Well, there you go. So. That's a sign. So how's Dave? Does he, is he's he pretty, pretty chilled? chilled he's, he, well, he's pretty chilled. The first time he took my daughter out in in his car, which is a bit big anyway. Uh, he took her to a an industrial area, yeah, but they yeah. had to drive via a main road and a roundabout, and there were trucks everywhere. And when I heard that, I was freaking out. <laughs> he was like, "Oh no, she was fine. We did okay." Yeah. But I, I would, in my mind, I think you know, go and drive, practice driving in the back streets and around an industrial area True. or a car park first. But he's like, mm. "No, well, they'll be on the road soon, so you may as well just get out there and start it." You're gonna have to bite the bullet, Daisy. I know. You're going to have to bite the bullet on this because it's you know it's difficult it's difficult to teach children and the last well when i say how old are they again uh 18 and about to turn 17 well they're all my one's an adult so come on yes (laughs) what about you scruff i gotta tell you a story about me marcus that you probably don't know about that goldie used to give it to me all the time right i didn't get my license until i was 27 or 28 Mm. what (laughs) <laughs> Why? I haven't told you because I know I'm going to get heats from you now. But Why did you not have your li- how, well, did, how did you date? 
Well, that's another story. <laughs> Guess who taught me to drive? Your wife. Yes. The leader of the opposition, Belinda, taught yes. you, Scruff, how to drive. Correct. Now I've heard everything. Correct. That's 100% true. You're um, a man. I, I lived. I lived in Piedmont. This? I, I oh, walked okay. to work, yeah. and we only start. I only thought about starting to get my license when we moved way out to North Shore. There. Well, I've seen you drive, and that explains everything. <laughs> yes, exactly. And right. And you've had a couple of little. I've had a few pranks. Incident on the Harbour Bridge with a taxi. Was yeah, that I you? ran into a taxi. I ran into a tree. That was when I. Well, that was on, a serious accident. How do you run into a taxi on the Harbour Bridge? Because <laughs> he stopped all of a sudden. The damn idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're supposed to allow two car lengths. Yes, Dad. So that you can stop as well. I'm speaking to my dad here. <laughs> when he comes to an abrupt halt. Yes, Belinda. <laughs> Well, I don't know. Well, I, I, I haven't told you that story until for now. For a reason. For a reason, but uh, bring it on. I, I've, I've heard it all before. No, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> you don't really have to. 20, 27. <laughs> before he got his law. Okay. At what age did you have your first kiss? Oh, that was, that was uh, 17, 16. Uh, I mean, way okay. Back. Well, how did you date young ladies when you were, you know, 18, uh, I 19? I tell you, I'm putting myself in. I tell you, guess oh, who you? picked me up on Belinda and I's first date? Belinda picked me up in her car. <laughs> Justin, um, or Di, can you just reach behind you on the floor, just behind that cupboard there? Justin's manhood is somewhere down there. Really? Yes. That's gold. That's gold. All right, then. Guys, thank you so much. No oh, just worries. before you both go, um, if you're a, a supermodel and you know you, you, you're pretty well off yourself, and uh, your uh, your other half, your husband, is a seven, uh, you know, is a, a, a founder of a billion dollar company like Snapchat, mm-hmm. and you own a seven and a half million dollar property. And the government allows you, instead of going into hotel quarantine, to spend 14 days in isolation at this $7.5 million property with your Snapchat founder husband. And your name's Miranda Kerr. Do you think you would, you know, perhaps listen to the advice of the government and do the right thing? Yeah, I would. Mm-hmm. Miranda well, didn't, no, obviously. No, no. Apparently, she, uh, you know, despite being granted special approval because she's special to isolate at her $7.5 million property with a husband... Uh, instead of hotel quarantine, she breached it. It raises mm. the question, should hotel quarantine exemptions be made for those who can afford it? Well, I say no. Mm. And this is another classic example as to why, and that's why people around Australia who can't visit family, friends, those who are having to pay for hotel quarantine at their own expense, I mean, imagine how the poor tennis darlings will feel about Miranda <laughs> Kerr breaching her COVID, mm. uh, you mm-hmm. know, Obligations. I don't know. Give us a call. 13 12 69, the telephone number. Thanks, Dizey. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, what's your name again? <laughs> I'm going to have to um, name you something else. I mean, scruff is a, a masculine term of endearment. That's right. I'm masculine. I got my license at 27. Oh. <laughs> All right. Welcome back at 18 and a half after eight. Ralph is on the open line. 13 12 69. G'day, Ralph. Yes, good morning, Marcus. Thanks for taking the call. My pleasure, Ralph. What's on your mind, mate? I've rung up to talk about my definition of a lefty. Oh. Well, <laughs> there's no such thing as a lefty, but off you go. All right, my definition of a lefty is an irresponsible broadcaster that doesn't care if people die because he's too lazy and prideful to find out about ivermectin. Oh, Ralph, look. 
Somewhere out there, there's a tree that's working so bloody hard to produce oxygen so that you can actually breathe. I think right now you need to just put down the phone, go outside, look for that tree and apologise to it. Jesus. Number one troll for today, 13 12 69, the telephone number. You can go jab yourself with whatever the hell you like, uh, Ralph, as far as I'm concerned. Um, <laughs> it's very dangerous to be talking about miracle cures for COVID that simply don't exist. Why don't you go and have lunch with Craig Kelly? You and him should get along just fine. Marcus Paul in the morning, 13 12 69 is the telephone number. Hold the phone. 19 after 8. I can't believe it. <music> President-elect Joe Biden. Good morning to you, Joe. Hey, hey, man. Man, it's hey, Mark, 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 Deutsche Mark. It's great. Here, here, I, I'm good to be talking with you. I'm, I'm Joe the Pigeon. I'm sorry. No, I'm, I'm Joe Biden. Look. Hey, this is hey, hey, man! It's it's happening for me. It is. Congratulations! It's, You've been endorsed. Four and more you... months. Four more months. Sorry, yeah. I'm sorry. I've lo- You've lost me. Four more months until what, uh, President? That's that's what they're. Oh, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. No, I'm. Joe, hmm? where? Where am I? Joe, well, apparently hey, you're on your hey. way to your inauguration. It's the big day, my the big day, my conflagration, and I'm looking forward to this so bad. No, you know, I I gotta tell you, mm. I I I gotta practice the speech, man. You know. Well, I, I'm sure you do, but look before you what, before you let me know about the speech. Do you realize what? you've got a, yeah. a stack of celebrities who are in your corner endorsing your inauguration? You've got J Lo, Lady Gaga, and Tom Hanks of all people. Can you believe this, Joe? Wow, Forrest Forrest Gump. He was my role model. Well, this <laughs> I'm, I can't wait because you know he. He 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 got the the virus in in your country, and then they had to put him away. He said, "My mama always told me uh, that if you eat a a, a Wuhan uh, hors d'oeuvre, you never know what you're going to get." Well, you know, it's great he's going to be there, but you know, man, I I, I need to practice the speech. Tell me, what's the speech going to include, John? Well, it's where I say, I Joseph. I'm sorry, it's gone. Uh, no, no, Joe Biden. Yes. I being of occasional sound mind and body. No, yes. that's the wrong. No, no. I do solemnly swear yes. that I will faithfully excrement the duties of the office of the president <laughs> of the U Stated Knights, and that I will, to the uh, best of my ability, mm. pre- pres- preserve and project, protect, protect, and depend depend on the con- mm. the constipation of the United States. And and from all enemies, foreign and uh, Joe, what? where am I? Uh, foreign and, and domestic, and, yes. and so help us, Trump, a uh, God, and yes. God, God bless the United States. And uh, I'm so old, I can't even say God bless Greece in 2000 because it doesn't work anymore. 
Joe, good luck on well, your inauguration. We look forward to seeing you take the oath and, and assume you, office. And uh, well, I look forward to seeing I, how the Oval Office and the White House fit you. I think you'll do I, fine. I think uh, I think it'll be a safe day. I've had Dan Dan Andrews has offered to send a security company. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to this in a big way. I got I got to go, man. It's time for my second sleep in the morning. All right, thank you, sir. Thanks for calling in. Gee whiz. I mean, it's amazing, isn't it, that we have the incoming U.S. President Joe Biden calling into the program. What about the outgoing president? Well, he has released a video statement on his final full day in office. Let's have a chat to Donald J. Trump. My my fellow Americans that kept the faith, I would just like to sing about my last day and the future where I sing to this very tune. Yes. Oh, say, can you see such division and hate just because I tried to make America great? (laughs) The election was rigged. Then to add to my woes, all my lawsuits tossed out by the judges. I chose mm. a fee- just one day to go, and I'm supposed to concede to a sleepy guy who needs a walker to lead. Watch the Democrats fail, because to them there's nothing that is finer than to cuddle up with reds in the U.S. of China. Uh. Donald Trump, we thank you for your service. And the first person I will be pardoning is myself for singing. Mm. I don't know whether we'll forgive it, though. Thank you, Donald, for calling into the program. Good luck That's in your future right. life. quite all right, and by the way, I will be back. That's a threat. We know. Can't wait for it. Thank you, Donald. All the Goodbye. best. Goodbye. Goodbye. Outgoing presidents, Donald Trump. Marcus Paul in the morning. Ah, yes. The late George Michael, amazing Marcus Paul in the morning. Someone who's not amazing is Jody Maddock. Oh my God, juvenile comedy at its worst. It's okay, kids. We boomers just don't get the science behind it, says Jody. Obviously, Jody lacks, I don't know, any humorous bone in her body. I hear there is a new app called Sense of Humor, Jody. Seems like you're up with all the latest fads. Why don't you download it for us? That'd be wonderful. News soon, Stephen. Hello. Uh, good morning, Marcus. Morning, Steve. I'm well, thank you, mate. What's on your mind? Uh, not, not a great deal. I, I agree with a lot what you say. Uh, I found a uh, website called Standing Under Sovereignty. Standing Under Sovereignty, yes. Or so- so- yeah. Sovereignty, yeah. Sovereignty, yeah. Sovereignty, yes, and it's uh, actually talks about the faults about these governments and, and what's going on because mm. uh, we're just a bunch of cuck- cuckly diddly doos, mate. What's happening there? Cuckly diddly. Ah, uh, wow. What on earth is he on? And can I have some? Isn't he the bloke that supports the Sydney Roosters? He is. That's why he always comes up with the cockley doodly doos. Um, <laughs> all right. 
Yeah, I know. He's a barnyard idiot. I get it. I get it. Thirteen twelve sixty nine. the telephone number. You had me going for half a second. I thought it was a serious call, but quite clearly it wasn't. But that's okay. Just warming up uh, for the main act after nine o'clock when they all dial in after I have a chat to Zali Stegel. That's going to be fun, isn't it, Scruff? Really going to put the pigeons amongst the cockly-doodly-doos? What are your thoughts on this? There's calls for a minute silence on Australia Day. Zali Stegel will join me on the program just after nine o'clock. Australia Day has become, as we know, quite controversial, etc. Zali Stegel has called for councils across the country and in her electorate to include a one-minute silence on January 26 in recognition of Indigenous Australian lives that have been lost since first Europeans arrived. If you want to have your say on that, 13 12 69. Now on Marcus Paul in the morning. I have always believed in miracles. The latest from the capital with Christina Rosengren. Morning, Christina. How are you? Well, thank you, Marcus. How are you? Not bad, thank you. 22 minutes away from nine and Labor leader Anthony Albanese is making news today. He's accused Prime Minister Scott Morrison of corroding Australia's alliance with the US. This is ahead of Albo's big speech today in Perth. Yes, that's right. Uh, Anthony Albanese will be making this major foreign policy speech today at the uh, Perth U.S. Asia Centre, and that will be around 10 a.m. And uh, in this speech, Mr. Albanese will claim that Prime Minister Scott Morrison has been uh, pandering to U.S. President Donald Trump throughout his term, and that he's built really too close of a relationship with the outgoing president. So uh, he'll point to the fact that when the Prime Minister visited the U.S. in 2019, he shared a campaign rally stage with Mr. Trump, and uh, partisan events are usually avoided by Australian leaders when they travel overseas. And uh, Mr Morrison also neglected to meet with any senior Democrats, so showing a bit of bias there. And we also know that Mr Morrison still refuses to condemn Mr Trump for out- outright for his role in inciting uh, violence in the Capitol riots, though I will mention that he has made some indirect comments and is seeking to distance himself from the president. And Ms Albanese is really making the point that with Joe Biden coming in as the new president, this sort of cosy relationship Mr. Morrison has had with Mr. Trump may undermine Australia's ability to build sort of closer ties with the U.S., and especially on key issues such as, you know, the uh, rise of China and and also climate change. And climate change especially will be a big one because we know the Biden administration will take a much stronger action on reducing emissions, which leaves Australia sort of increasingly isolated internationally on that front. And it also puts the Morrison government at odds with the Biden administration. So Ms. Albanese is really stressing the fact that there's an opportunity here with the incoming Biden administration to do more together, but he's really casting doubt on whether Mr. Morrison will be able to handle that relationship. Yep. All right, then, there's been a significant spike in the take-up of the federal government's home builder program, Christina. Yes, this was the program introduced during the pandemic, uh, which allows households to apply for a grant of up to $25,000, and that's to build a new home or to substantially renovate an existing home. And it was brought in to sort of stir up activity in the construction sector and also help a little bit with the economic recovery. And according to new Treasury figures, over 75,100 households have applied for this grant at the end of last month, and that's double what the government had initially forecast. So in mid-November, the government thought the program would only support uh, the construction or renovation of 42,000 homes and at a total cost of $920 million, but it's now expected to cost $2 billion with the extra projects. So the Housing Minister, Michael Stukas, is quite presently 
pleasantly surprised by the uptake and he's encouraging anyone who is still considering to apply to to not wait to apply also that program ends in March and the government's yet to say what this sort of increased uptake means for the budget bottom line but it will be or Mr Mitsugasa's that will be revealed in the federal budget. Now, uh, JobKeeper set to end very soon, and I see the hospitality industry is getting a little edgy about it. They've written to Treasurer Josh Frydenberg to pitch a new JobKeeper alternative, Christina. Yes, so this is a story being reported by News Corp, and uh, it says that the CEO of Restaurant and Catering Australia, Wes Lambert, has uh, written to Frydenberg and Trade and Tourism Minister Dan Tien uh, to to pitch a program called HospoKeeper. And uh, Mr. Lambert says that this program would operate a lot like JobKeeper and it would begin in April and it would be in place uh, for six months as a sort of targeted support for Australia's uh, struggling restaurants and hotels and so on. And that's with the view that COVID restrictions are really sort of strangling the issue. So under this proposal, the uh, eligible businesses would be paid the current fortnight uh, JobKeeper rate and they'll be available to hospitality venues only if they're substantially affected by government-imposed health restrictions. So that could be anything from, you know, limiting the number of customers or events or, you know, when there's new lockdowns or even when people are forced to work from home because then CBD venues don't really get the same amount of business as a result. Mm -hmm. And, uh, of course, businesses would still need to prove their need for this program. But this sort of comes as as tourism has kind of, uh, or the tourism industry has been calling for the same sort of support. And that was uh, quite a big story yesterday, especially with the international border likely to remain closed for much of this year. And the message yesterday was very much that the the government's already given a lot of support, so uh, perhaps there'll be the same message for hospitality. But, you know, pressure is certainly mounting, so who knows, the government may leave the doors and uh, to putting something in place. All right, Christina, good to chat. We'll catch up with you tomorrow and look forward to your reports today from Canberra. Thank you. Christina in the capital, Marcus Paul in the morning. Okay, 17 to 9 now. A big thanks to Keith Scott, Australia's premier impersonator, for being part of our program again this morning. Uh, He's happy, and I'm happy too, that sleepy Joe Biden is such a good character that he can have some fun with, and no doubt we'll feature more of Keith throughout the year on the program, and we really do appreciate him him coming on. Uh, He's the guy behind all of those wonderful voices in the past that you've heard on How Green Was My Cactus, etc. And we have a good relationship with Keith. He's a good bloke. Uh, He's still available, by the way, for corporate events and voiceovers. If you want to get in contact, keithscott.com.au. Okay, keithscott.com.au. Or if you want, give Justin a call here, 13 12 69. We'll happily pass you on Keith's details. Now, because they specialise in strata, complex unit and commercial building repairs or upgrades, Network Construction Services are the remedial building specialists that you can trust. Whether it's structural repairs, facade and cladding replacement, waterproofing, upgrades to electrical and fire services, improving accessibility, concrete cancer repairs... Network Construction Services bring together over 70 years of combined industry experience. So if you need repairs, refurbishments or maintenance to your strata complex unit or your commercial building and you need it completed on time, within budget and at the very highest standards of quality, Network Construction Services are the leaders in remedial building work. Now you can find out more 
at networkconstructionservices.com.au or give Steve a call at Network Construction Services on 98 08 56 73. That's 98 08 5673. Alright, yeah, give me a call. Dave, hello mate, how are you? Who can save who can serve ice cream faster than a speeding bullet? Who can serve ice cream faster than a speeding bullet, Dave? Scooperman. <laughs> oh, God. My apologies. Thank you, David. Marcus Paul in the morning. Yeah, Marcus Paul in the morning. That's Symphony, Clean Bandits and Zara Larson. Thirteen, twelve, sixty-nine. the telephone number. Look, waves of up to five metres are expected to lash the New South Wales coast over the coming days. And that's prompted calls for all of us to try and avoid the water if we can. A hazardous surf warning has been issued for the entirety of New South Wales's beachside locations. That's everywhere from Coffs Harbour right down to Sydney, extending to Eden near the Victorian border. Now, the Weather Bureau say the, stir- the surge is being caused by a low-pressure system in the southern Tasman Sea. Waves of between four and five metres are expected close to the coast today. They could be larger than this, depending on the location along the coast. So police are urging all of us to stay out of the water and avoid walking near surf-exposed areas. You need to take it seriously, you really do. Only takes a slight mishap and you could be gone. Recreational boaties have also been warned to consider delaying their trip just for a couple of days. Now, after the wild weather in New South Wales is finished, we're apparently set to swelter with a severe four-day heatwave forecast for the Australia Day long weekend. Okay, 13 12 69, the telephone number. Now, after the 9 o'clock news, that's 8 o'clock in Queensland, we'll continue. We're filling in for Lawsy. John will be back, of course, on Monday, February 1. In the meantime, we'll continue looking at some of the issues and get your views on all of the news on 13 12 69. Now, one of the most contentious stories, I think, of the day is the call from Zali Stegel. It's controversial, I understand that. The Warringah MP, who ousted Tony Abbott, has called for councils across Australia and into her electorate to include a one-minute silence on January 26, in recognition of Indigenous Australian lives that have been lost since Federation... Uh, I beg your pardon, since Europeans first arrived. Zali says there should be a formal recognition of the loss, hurt and sorrow felt by our Indigenous community on January 26. So we'll speak to Zali Stegel on the program just after 9 o'clock, not too far away. In the meantime, are you looking to spice up your home, your office, maybe your showroom with the hottest-looking, most comfortable, new custom-made lounges? Well, there's only one place to go in Sydney, and it's called Chili Pip. Remember the name, Chili Pip. You'll get a top quality lounge individually designed by Chili Pip to your specific requirements. And it'll be ready within three to four weeks of your order. Now at Chili Pip, you can choose from over 500 fabrics and leathers and every lounge made in their Sydney factory comes with a 10-year warranty. 
And people have been pleased. They don't even need to use the warranty. I've read a stack of the very good comments on chilipip.com.au, which you can have a look for yourself. There's a lot of very happy customers, and we welcome them on board as one of our advertisers here at Marcus Paul in the morning. So, by the way, if you mention that you heard about Chili Pip, when you ring them, mention you heard about them on the radio show, they'll throw in a free fabric protection with your order. Valued at over 300 bucks. So if you're in the market to have a new lounge made and you want to save 300 bucks on fabric protection, give them a call now. 1300 797 516. That's 1300 797 516. Go to chilipip.com.au for a comfy new lounge made here in Sydney at a special direct from the factory wholesale price, but only at Chili Pip. That's chilipip.com.au. This is Marcus Paul filling in for John Laws on the Super Radio Network. Okay, good morning and welcome to Wednesday, January 20, 2021. Marcus Paul in the morning, in for Lawsy. Uh, John will be back on Monday, February the 1st. Our telephone number, if you'd like to be a part of the program, we have all the news, we just need your views. That number, 131269, 131269. If you would like to send a text number to the Fortress, 0458 049 209. And, of course, emails are welcome as well. MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com. Well, there's plenty around. Final preparations are well underway for the inauguration of President-elect Joe Biden. He's given an emotional farewell speech at his hometown of Delaware, and he's just arrived in Washington, D.C., where security has been ramped up significantly. Now, President Donald Trump will not be attending the inauguration, opting to fly instead to Florida. He'll probably be on the golf course. However, credit where it's due... I heard the comments that Donald Trump, outgoing US President, made during our news at 9 o'clock, 8 o'clock Queensland time, and I have to say he's been very conciliatory, which is nice to hear. Now, Australia's biggest banks will soon scrap mortgage repayment holidays that were introduced at the height of the pandemic, which will create significant financial strain for borrowers. Hundreds of thousands of homeowners accepted payment pauses last year, but they've now been contacted by their banks to say the relief scheme will end in March. As they say, all good things must come to an end and people eventually need to recommence their home loan repayments. It's something we always knew that was coming, so nobody should really be surprised, but I'm interested to hear your story today, 131269. Will it cause some, well, some economic hardship to you and your family? Let us know. 131269, the telephone number. The Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, will today visit Gladstone near Calliope, um, uh, Calliope, that's how you pronounce it, where Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk's plans to relocate the state's hotel quarantine system are. Ms Palaszczuk will propose moving quarantine out of the state and territory CBDs after the new highly infectious strain of the virus leaked out of a Brisbane hotel, throwing the city into lockdown chaos. 
But there are a few problems with Queensland's new location. A former worker at the closest hospital, Gladstone Hospital, says it's not equipped to deal with coronavirus patients as it has, you ready for this, no ICU beds. Nonetheless, the plan to move quarantine to regional areas will be discussed at National Cabinet on Friday. Meantime, I see that Federal Opposition Leader Anthony Albanese has accused the Prime Minister of putting his personal affinity with Donald Trump ahead of the national interest, damaging relations with the incoming Biden-Harris Democratic team. The later Opposition Leader, Albo, will make a speech today in Perth, Uh, Now, that's ahead of the inauguration of Joe Biden as the 46th President of the United States. Albo's taken aim at ScoMo's handling of the alliance and the key challenges, including climate change. Albo warns the Biden administration's climate policy will leave Australia, quote unquote, totally isolated on the world stage. And he's called for the Prime Minister to re-engage with multilateral cooperation after, quote, pandering to Donald Trump with rhetoric about negative globalism. Well, we know that Scott Morrison has tried to at least distance himself from Trump in recent days, indirectly condemning his role, encouraging the US Capitol mob, and on Tuesday, yesterday, insisting that he has no plans to speak to Trump as he leaves office. Anyway, Anthony Albanese will direct a speech today at the US Asia Centre in Perth, Meanwhile, he's noted that Scott Morrison has refused to condemn Trump earlier this month. I think it's time to move on from this now, isn't it? Absolutely. Let me know your thoughts. 13 12 69, the telephone number. Now, in Sydney, police investigating the disappearance of millionaire businesswoman Melissa Caddick believe she is still alive and well some 68 days after her disappearance. Investigators have trawled through countless hours of CCTV footage around her Dover Heights mansion in Sydney's east and looked extensively through her computers, having found, well, nothing. Her family and friends haven't had any contact with her. But police are now investigating a theory she might have fled to Queensland. Meantime, in New South Wales, a man's been arrested after a three-and-a-half-hour standoff with officers at Blue, in the Blue Mountains in leafy Lura yesterday. Just a gorgeous spot around there. Police arrived to the address where they were told a 41-year-old woman had been threatened by a male occupant who's known to her in the home. Now, thankfully, she fled. She was treated in hospital for minor injuries. But police officers, along with tactical operations officers, were then engaged in a three-and-a-half-hour standoff with this 44-year-old man. But finally, even though he was armed with a hatchet... Allegedly, he emerged from the unit and was arrested quite peacefully. He's since been charged with multiple domestic violence and assault offences. And briefly in sports, uh, in the cricket, well, 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 how good are India? Unbelievable result yesterday in the cricket. Unfortunately, Australia couldn't hold India back yesterday with the tourists winning the series and taking home the Border Gavaskar Trophy. A remarkable innings from Pant led India to the unlikely win. Now, Australian captain Tim Payne, who's under a lot of pressure, I think unfairly, to be honest, he says he plans to continue as test captain despite two consecutive defeats. And I'm sure Cricket Australia will look closely at his role in yesterday's disappointing result. However, I sincerely hope that they don't move him on as captain. 
He still needs to grow into the role, and I think he's learned a lesson from some of the sledging and, and some of the way he mismanaged the test in Brisbane. In tennis, well, 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 two more players have tested positive to coronavirus, bringing the total number of cases now to seven. Two were reclassified as cases of viral shedding, but Victoria's Chief Health Officer Brett Sutton says it's still too early to clear the flights they were on, so all passengers, including 47 players, will remain in quarantine. And aren't they putting on a show about it? (laughs) Aren't they ever? Anyway, if you want to have your say on that, give me a call, 13 12 69, the telephone number. And I see also that State of Origin players have taken a 50% pay cut to shore up the salary caps of individual clubs. A competition-wide salary cut of 10% was initially floated, but was subsequently reduced to 6% after Origin players agreed to take home $15,000 per match over the next two years instead of the usual $30,000. Get in contact with Marcus anytime. Email us, mpinthemorning at 2smsupernetwork.com. All right, now one of the most contentious issues every year seems to be, for some silly reason, Australia Day. And the question's being asked... Should a minute of silence be observed on Australia Day to recognise its sombre meaning for Indigenous Australians? Well, Federal Member for Warringah and former Winter Olympian Zali Stegall believes so. She's written to mayors in her Sydney electorate asking that they do just that. Now, we know that Australia Day marks the anniversary of the arrival of the first fleets of British ships into Port Jackson back in 1788. It has long provoked a range of emotions for many within our community. And while it marks the commencement of European colonisation of our land, it also represents the commencement of violence, disempowerment and displacement of our Indigenous communities that has created sorrow, discrimination and hardship that has lasted for generations. I'm very happy to say that Zali Steckel joins us on the John Laws Morning Show. Good morning to you, Zali. Good morning. Thank you for your time. Now, obviously, you knew that this was going to be quite contentious, a little controversial, but I agree with you 100%. We should be acknowledging Indigenous Australians far more on Australia Day. Yeah, look, I've always felt really conflicted. Now, we every year we come back to the debate about the day of Australia Day, the 26th of January, and I would really urge the Prime Minister to engage with that debate. I think we need to uh, really look at that. Maybe it's a referendum, I don't know, but we do need to engage with that debate so that we can uh, move forward in a healing process. But in the meantime, yeah. as a non-Indigenous Australia, I would like to pay my respects, and I know, and I've had feedback of many who would also uh, acknowledge, you know, a minute silence is a very respectful, uh, quiet reflection of price paid, of loss, of sorrow. We do it, and it's incredibly meaningful on Remembrance Day, on Anzac Day. I do think it's fitting that on Australia Day, we acknowledge, you know, we should acknowledge that there were massacres. There was a huge price paid by First Australians. Um, And I think we can't move forward unless we acknowledge our history. 
Yeah, I see that um, a number of uh, people, as you say, a number of people agree with you, but there's also dissenters, Alice Springs councillor, and, uh, well, Puri woman, Jacinta Price, has condemned your comments. She says you've painted Indigenous Australians as, quote-unquote, helpless victims, and that you need to learn a bit more about our country's history instead of using, quote, shallow, PC, wokish ways of dealing with these particular issues. What on earth well, does that mean? <laughs> she's entitled to her opinion, of course, and I don't for a minute presume uh, to speak for Indigenous Australians. Um, and I would encourage them to, and I know they speak out about what, how they feel about Australia Day, but as a non-Indigenous Australian, I also feel that we also have a responsibility and a need to engage with the issue. Uh, and, and I know I feel a terrible sense of loss um, and uh, and sorrow at the price paid and would like to pay my respects. So uh, I don't for a minute presume to say that this resolves or solves or is sufficient, but it is a step in the right direction, just as the Prime Minister, you know, we've changed one word in our Australian anthem, which is a, a step in the right direction. I sure. think we can do more, and, and there are many, like there's a third verse proposal that acknowledges uh, Aboriginal uh, and cultural uh, heritage uh, that I've put forward on behalf of groups in my electorate to Minister Wyatt. Um, there's a lot more. I, I would encourage everyone to look for solutions rather than look for division. And I would say, unfortunately, Councillor Price's comments really show a desire to be divisive rather than find solutions. Yeah, uh, on that, uh, the inclusion of an Indigenous verse in the Australian anthem, we talked about it uh, at length yesterday on this program. A lot of people agree, saying that, you know, if, if it can be done in New Zealand, I mean, the New Zealand national anthem, you know, it really does make the, the hair on your arms stand up when you hear it because it's just magnificent the way they've included the Maori uh, version, uh, you know, with God bless New Zealand, etc. We should be able to do that here in Australia as well, should we not? Oh, I agree completely. We are so much richer culturally when we actually acknowledge all of our diversity and and, and the history there. The Aboriginal history goes back so many years. Uh, we saw the outcrying of grief last year with the Jukna Gorge uh, blasting and the loss of those artefacts. Um, people do want to celebrate. Uh, Australians want to celebrate our, our history, our cultural heritage. Um, and and for, I think for the Australian anthem to include a verse um, as proposed, I think would be incredibly powerful and would only enrich our lives. It, it would not take anything away. It, it would enrich our, our anthem. And as someone who stood on the dais, you know, at World Championships and Olympic Games yeah. and heard the Australian anthem, I would feel incredibly proud and I would hope athletes and others would feel incredibly proud to acknowledge that in our anthem. All right, it's good to talk to you on the program, Zali. Take care. And look, I'm sure it'll spark discussions not only here, but right around the country. And thank you again for your time. Thank you. All right, there she is, Zali Stegel, MP uh, from the Warringah electorate in Sydney in New South Wales. Well, what do you make of it? We know Australia Day has become the most controversial date on our calendar, polarising those who want to celebrate the arrival of the First Fleet on these shores and those who say it sparked an era of untold suffering for First Nation people. Zali Stegall, the Warringah MP, wants councils across Australia and in her electorate to include a one-minute silence on January 26 in recognition of Indigenous Australian lives that have been lost since the first Europeans arrived. 
Do you believe that this is a good way of showing some formal recognition of this loss, hurt and sorrow felt by our Indigenous community? Give me a call, 13 12 69, the telephone number. By the way, thank you for those uh, callers. We, I did make a mistake in the pronunciation where the Prime Minister will be today in Queensland. It's Calliope. Okay, Calliope. Well, there you go. I've learned something new, Calliope. That's uh, the area that the Prime Minister will be in regional and rural Queensland today. Marcus Paul in the morning. Okay, call us with your thoughts. 13 12 69, the telephone number. 0458 049 209 if you'd like to send a text and emails. MP in the morning at 2SM, supernetwork.com. Unscripted, genuine, and sometimes silly. Marcus Paul in the morning. Yeah, I was just listening to your program there. Yeah. I just sort of listening there, and it just seems like you seem to be sort of cutting everyone off there a bit quick and having a go at everyone, you yeah? uh, know? Not always. Um, no, what I was referring to were a couple of nasty emails, and the only people I've cut off are the ones who want to spruik some sort of conspiracy theory, miracle cure for COVID, because I try to be responsible in my broadcast. That's all. Yeah, like just having an old mate saying then about the national needs and if I haven't caught all Hang the on, show, any, just... Mate, in English, just slow down so I can understand what you're saying. <laughs> I, mate, I ever say it in English. No, I can't understand a word you're saying. Yeah, why, why can't you understand? Because of the way you're talking to me. Can you just slow down so we can understand what you're saying? Right, do you reckon you'll understand this, Marcus? No, I won't because you're the reason a gene pool needs a lifeguard. From Taree to the Tweed, talk back to me with Marcus Paul. Okay, give us a call, 13 12 69. Good morning, Lynn, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Marcus, how are you? Okay, you want to talk about quarantine in Queensland? I did, I, I do. Um, I lived for 25 years, about 17 k's from the workers' village yeah. at Calliope. Calliope, yes. Yeah, um, the village isn't actually at Calliope, it's about... 20 k's up the highway. It's on the corner of the Bruce Highway. Um, it's about six years old. It's a good-looking building. I believe it's got catering facilities. It was originally built for the um, workers building the gas works on Curtis Island. Am I fair to say, though, Lynn, it's mm-hmm. out in the middle of nowhere? No. It's, uh, there's a little township of Yarwin, 17 k's away, with basic facilities, you know, post office, that type of thing. Um, it's about uh, 90 k's uh, from Rockhampton. Um, no, it's actually on the highway. All right. Um, yeah, and um, I think it would be ideal. Okay. Well, a lot of people agree. I, look, I don't know. Um, should we be quarantining people away from the central business district areas? Absolutely. Does it need to be that far away? <laughs> I don't know. And a lot of people are saying that, look, even though it might be ideal Calliope, um, the nearest hospital, Gladstone Hospital, doesn't even have ICU beds. What happens if there's an emergency and somebody gets really, really sick? That would be my concern. Thanks for that. Hello, Pam, how are you? 
Hello, Marcus. How are you? Good. You're in beautiful tweed heads, although it's a little wet at the moment. Oh, my God. It's pouring rain. <laughs> yeah. We're supposed to go to Kingscliff to the beach today. My daughter's coming from Brisbane. Yeah. My son's here from Sydney with his mate. And we're all going to Kingscliff for lunch. And we're still going. Mm-hmm. But the boys will have a swim and... I won't because they might think I'm a whale. Oh, what? <laughs> Who said that? That's a bit cruel. Well, I reckon I look like a whale. Oh, don't. No, look, it doesn't matter. Uh, we're about what's on the inside, Pam. Okay. Um, we're about what's on the inside here. We, we don't really go for, you know, how people look. If you're, if you're hot, go for a swim. You know, at the end of the day, you want to spend time with family. I'm just sorry it's so wet. I know, it's terrible. But look, it is supposed to ease, and we are expecting some very hot weather ahead of Australia Day. That's what the Weather Bureau are telling me. Uh, We've also got an alert, by the way, in New South Wales for people on the coast. So you need to be extremely careful. Try and steer clear. They say from Coffs Harbour down to the Eden Coast at the moment over the next day or so. Try and steer clear of the water if you can. Uh, We've got some super waves. I mean, the surfers will love it, but we don't want any more drownings, okay? 13, 12, 69. Then things will clear, they say, and then we'll get into some really nice weather. In fact, some very hot, very warm to hot weather ahead of the Australia Day break. Okay, Helen, good morning. How are you? Hello. Hello, Helen. How are you? Good, thank you. Look, I'm just ringing you in relation to a phone call from that Indian gentleman yesterday. Right. Now, you didn't really give him a chance, and you misinterpreted what he was trying to say to you. I can't remember. The Indian no, man I'm who sure. called... Sorry? Um, what he was trying to say was, R-U-N-A-N, it is spelled... N-U-N-M-P. That stands for Member of Parliament. Right. Which you use. Marcus Paul, MP. Well, it causes a lot of confusion with other nationalities, obviously. So, and that's Hel- Helen, Helen... be using it. Oh, Helen. Is that your name or is your name Karen? No, my name's not Karen, mate. I live at Tweedhead. All right, but you're sounding like a Karen. Have you just rung to have a whinge about a call no, yesterday? No, no, I'm not whinging. You I'm sound just like trying it. to point out to you yes. that not everybody understands. Well, you obviously um, don't. You. you obviously don't. I definitely understand No, Gil. you don't, because you obviously don't understand humour, because I was trying to be a little funny yesterday, and I don't yes, think... Yes, but he was trying to get his message across to you, his question, are you an MP, which stands in Australia for a Member of Parliament? Does it not? Yes, and I replied, I'm a Marcus Paul. I'm an MP. That's my name, MP, Marcus Paul. I'm not MP, an MP. Yes, but it obviously has caused some confusion. Why? With other nationalities. What? Well, it did yesterday. How on earth did it cause confusion with other nationalities, Helen? Well, he was trying to say to you, though, Marcus, a UNMP. And A-N. <laughs> well, you an MP? Obviously, I'm not an MP. Oh, well, it's very obvious, yeah, to me. But um, Very obvious yeah. to me? Why is it very obvious to you, Helen? 
for a lot of reasons, actually. Well, tell me one, at least. Come up with something. Well, you don't like anyone that disagrees with you. I'm only just trying to explain that poor man's um, well, interpretation of Well, he's not a poor man. He's not a poor man. You. Stop making everybody a victim, Helen or Karen. Okay, so, I no, I don't. I'm not nasty to everybody who disagrees with me, but if people ring up and they've got a little bit of uh, go in them and obviously they want to have a bit of a confronting phone call, I'm not... No, I don't. I don't, but I'm just saying... I can hear it in your voice, Helen. You've rung up to have a whinge because you've got nothing else going on in your life. I'm a John Laws fan. Right? Great. So am I. Very much. So am I. But, I mean, at least he gives most people a go, and that's all I was only trying to say to you. I Are can, you an MP? Well, I can tell you right here and right now, uh, if you're such a John Laws fan, probably John would have given him less, less shrift than what I did yesterday. Because but he I, doesn't use the initials MP. Oh, that's my God, we're missing, back to mate. the initials that's MP. That's what you're missing. What? Yeah, but I, I get it. But what's the significance of it, and who cares? Well, he obviously was thought that you were, was trying to say, are you a member of Parliament? I never said to anybody that I was a member no, of Parliament. No, you use the initials all the time. Because it's my name. Oh, my God, this woman. Spare me! Check out Marcus Paul. Why don't you give him a call on the telephone? Here at the Grant Goldman Studios at 2SM... Paul has Sydney talking. Talking, talking, talking. All the news and the views. Listen, you can hear me through the radio. Marcus Paul, weekday mornings from 5am on 2SM. I mean, I don't know where to go now. Uh, should we, Justin, Scruff, should we change the email address? Maybe that's what we need to do. Uh, we need to change my email address from MP in the morning. No, how can I change it? Craig, good morning. How are you? Craig, are you there? Oh, yes, mate. Yes, yes. Yes, hey, mate. Hey, uh, um, I just wanted to know what uh, your, your electorate is, mate, so I can move there, seeing you're a, an MP. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness, mate. I don't get it. I'm, look, I'm going to go back on the tape and listen back to uh, the Indian caller yesterday. Not that it even matters what nationality the, the bloke was. I appreciate that he's no. listening and I appreciated the call, but I didn't quite get it. Um, What's it, does it matter? No, not really. I, I, I don't think so. And and you know the most telling thing is you said you're happy to uh, you know in my words you know rumble with somebody who gets on there and wants a bit of a, a, a confrontational talk. She had that from the first word that she spoke to you. You can just hear it in the voice. Of course. <laughs> and she goes. No. Oh. And even the way she said it, oh, mate, anyway. Hey. It's all good. They're the, calls that, they're the calls that make you appreciate the good ones, mate. 
Oh, it's fun. It's fun. I don't mind. I don't mind getting into a, you know a bit of sparring yeah. and banter. It's good fun, but not not for the whole three hours. All right, mate. Thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Thirteen twelve sixty nine. The number. Lorraine. Good morning. Oh, oh, is that you, Marcus? Yes, Lorraine. It is. Oh, Marcus, that was a wonderful call. Thank you. I, 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 I'm lost. I, look, look, I, I, I'm verbally <laughs> lost for words, and that's very unusual. I'm an ex-medical and legal secretary. Who oh, used it's to this, work. Lorraine. Oh, okay, Lorraine. Yes, yes, darling. And listen, yeah. I have worked in the areas of health and welfare yes. and had to deal with a lot of very for which the world is made up of. Yes. I lost words, darling, but look, that was so funny. And um, I didn't hear the uh, conversation with the Indian man, but you tried to tell him apparently that MP meant your name. Yes, rather than as look, in uh, look, a darling, member of I will call you another day because I'm still sort of... Um, Overwhelmed, it, it, and that's very under, that's very unusual for someone like me. Absolutely, a former you know legal secretary. Uh, you say you're overwhelmed, I say you're pissed. But anyway, <laughs> by the way, uh, we're being urged to share with family and friends this International Cheese Lovers Day. Cheese Lovers Day. I love cheese. I like Edam cheese. I used to like Coon cheese until they changed the name to Cheers. Anyway, businesses were able to stay afloat last year as Aussies rallied behind national cheese makers. Cheese therapy. What? What does Cheese Therapy co-founder Sam Penny says this support needs to be ongoing? What is Cheese Therapy? Not quite sure what all that means, cheese therapy. Hello, Bob, how are you? Hello, Mark, how are you, mate? Okay, thank you, Bob. What's on your mind? I won't be long, mate. I'm trying to lighten the day up for everyone. Please. <clears throat> what do you call Mark, Mark? <laughs> what do you call Mark, Mark? <laughs> yes. Yes? No, you don't know? No, I don't, obviously. Dog with a hair lip. What do you call Mark, Mark, dog with a hair lip? Mm. Is that a joke? I'm not quite following. It is. He can't say bark, bark. He doesn't oh, bark, bark. I'm with you now. Yeah, sorry, I'm a little slow on the uptake. Mark, Mark. Mm. I get it. I get it. Thirteen, twelve, sixty-nine. the telephone number, if you'd like to have you say, Ryder, can you help me? Yeah, I think I can. <laughs> Thank you. How are you? You well? Good. Excellent. You, and you? Good, thank you. Fighting fit on this Wednesday. It's January the 20th. And uh, we heard this morning from uh, incoming President Joe Biden on my breakfast program. I, I might play it back soon, so that'll be fun, Ryder. But you want to talk about Australia Day? No, I want to talk to you about something else. Oh, OK. Things that, seeing as you're my MP now, <laughs> um, my name's not Karen. Um, <laughs> I was listening to John Laws the other day, and he said... Anthony Albanese. It's not Albanese. Yes, I've and spoken. Thought, yeah, I've spoken to Albo about it. Um, <laughs> Anthony Albanese, and yeah, John has the correct pronunciation. But I've been calling him Albanese for years, and he's yeah, he's never, uh, you know, he's never sort of brought me up on it. I asked him. He said he, I could 
choose. Some days I'll call him Albanese, some days Albanese. The problem we've got is poor Albo doesn't get much airtime anyway. So. No. Well, I thought now you're, you're the MP that you know. You might. <laughs> what would you prefer that I called him? I like Albanese. It sounds, well, I think with a lot of names you can pronounce it two different ways and people just get used to it and they don't care. I don't think he cares. No, well, he certainly doesn't. Absolutely, he no. doesn't. But no, he's a good bloke, Albo. Um, yeah. You know, and uh, whether we call him Albanese or Albanese, um, the name really doesn't make too much of a difference. It's the substance and hopefully the policies that he will bring to the table. Um, you know, we need to keep governments to account. Um, uh, some say he's not the man. Uh, he's not the man to lead Labor toward the next federal election. What do you think? Um. Yes, I think he is. All right. All right. Well, well said. Thank you very much. Appreciate the call. One more before we need to take another break. Charles, good morning. How are you, Charles? Good morning, Marcus. Marcus, I'd like to clear up some um, misunderstandings with the uh, with Australia Day. Yep. Um, Australia Day on the 26th of January become Australia Day in 1949. It wasn't before that. It had nothing to do with with uh, the cook arriving and all those other things. The um, the this was a day Australians become free to make their own decision about which wars we would fight and how citizens would be treated and how how the Ab- Aborigines declare. Until this date, the Aborigines were were um, under protection, but we were all British people until. The 26th of January, yep. uh, 1949. And nobody seems to know this. And uh, everybody's sort of saying, oh, it's to do with Cook Cummings, to do with this, it's to do with that. But Australia Day is when Australia become Australia and all the Australians, all our um, uh, foreigners that, that moved yep. there and all the Aborigines and all the rest of it become free Australians from that date. No, I understand all of that, but what, what's your opinion uh, on today's story? Should uh, we hold perhaps a minute silence, as the calls are suggesting, for Aboriginals or Indigenous Australians uh, on Australia Day, do you think? Uh, it seems like that is our day of, uh, of coming together as Australians? Yeah, well, yeah, maybe, but, uh, you know... I'll... I'm not 100% uh, with that, but um, uh, it is um, uh, it, it is the day that it, it, it come together, but that was, uh, you know, in 1949. So. Yeah, but it's not 1949 anymore, and we can talk about the past as, you know, it's, we're blue in the face. It's, 2000, yep. it's 2021. Uh, there's still divide in our country. There's still unrest in relation to, uh, you know, disadvantage to Indigenous Australians, Aboriginals and Torres Strait Islanders, I'd like to see, really, an end to all of this division. Yeah, I agree with you there. All right, mate. Thank you for the call. 13 12 69. Marcus Paul has Sydney talking. All the news and the views. Marcus Paul, weekdays from 5am on 2SM. All right, there's a little bit of confusion um, after my call from Karen, uh, Helen, sorry, um, in relation to uh, the Indian fellow who rang the program yesterday. And look, I speak to so many people during the course of a program and I'd forgotten about it 
Anyway, we've gone back on the tape. Uh, I've got Scruff, my producer here. Justin, good morning, mate. Hi, mate. Yeah, the caller did say yesterday yeah. was that they were looking for AMP, as in the bank, AMP. That's right. It was yeah. In the, yeah, they're after the insurer. It was about insurance. They you, obviously dialed the wrong number and they listened to it's about. 40 minutes of Marcus Paul and then they got Marcus Paul. MP. Yeah, that's right. It was on, uh, it was on hold. That's exact. So I don't – I mean, the way it was being described by Helen this morning was that I was dismissive and not knowing what the bloke was talking about. Well, Helen, Karen, you silly woman – You've got it completely and utterly wrong. If you would have, I don't know, cleaned your ears out and perhaps listened properly yesterday, it was pretty obvious this fellow had dialed the wrong number. Um, and I apologised to him because I couldn't help him with what he was after. Uh, we because we have money, but we don't have that much money. As well, <laughs> we're not. Uh, you know, we're not in. We're not the, the bank. In, we're not in the uh, the business of selling insurance no. policies. No. Anyway, all right, thank you. <laughs> no good on your scruff, appreciate it. Hugh, good morning, how are you? Hello. Yes, Hugh, how are you, mate? I'm um, good, Marcus. Excellent. What's on your mind? Oh, I'd like to welcome Joe Biden and Kamala Harris into their new, um, their, uh, new abode on Pennsylvania Avenue, and good luck to them. Good luck to them. Well, hope I hope they do a good job. I noticed that Donald Trump was a little conciliatory in some of his comments this morning, very measured, and that he was actually quite polite. He wished them all the best as well. <laughs> well, we all have... We, we, all, we, we, we can all have... Um, 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 we, we can all have a bad day if you're getting evicted. I'd call that a bad day. <laughs> well, look, yes. Um, I think maybe there's a few more bad days on the way for Donald Trump. Doesn't he have money worries? Hasn't he got some legal concerns and all the rest of it? Um, all right, 13, 12, 69. Damo, Damien, good morning. Hey, you going, Marcus? All right, thank you, Damien. Australia Day, tell me. Uh, Australia Day, okay. Look, mm. um... A uh, guy called Hitler, you know, uh, that he was uh, quite a terrible person, and what he did to the uh, through the uh, his policy of wanting to, you know, rule Europe completely and destroy the uh, Jewish yes. population. Mm-hmm. Um, we still hold that in that religion. We still hold that very dear to uh, how wrong that was. Well, of course. Now, I've seen many of photographs. I've been through the desert. I've done a lot of things with Aborigines. I'm not an Aborigine. I'm uh, from a European descent. Yep. But to be perfectly honest with you, the way we just dismiss it, and like we because we're English or because we think it's correct or whatever, and let's uh, you made a comment earlier, Marcus, about uh, let's all get under one roof and let's all do this and let's all do that, which is perfect in theory. And we would love to have that in Australia, mm. Middle East, and we've got them coming over here. Yep. Uh, can we not, and it's la- can we not to say that? everybody. But just to be finished for a second, the guys that put those men mm. in chains and change them up like animals, and for us to just dismiss it and not consider that situation of how they might felt, but we accept the fact that what happened in World War Two is an hypocrisy. And I think that this government. And uh, the people at Hull have to really recognise, forget the Australia Day, forget the, the, the flag, forget the, the uh, what do they call it, the national anthem. We have to recognise as a nation that we should be learning from these people. And they're not, the, the, the Aboriginal person has so much to give 
knowledge-wise. And I'm not just talking about how to look after the land. I'm not talking about how to how to take care of uh, when Captain Cook arrived. It was looking beautifully manicured lawns, gardens, and all because it was. That's yep. how they dealt with the land. But I would. I'm more interested in their dreamings. I'm more interested in their intelligence. I'm more interested in transcendental uh, movement and the things that they can offer us in this land. And I think until we address that and address the fact of how great a person and how great a people they were, hmm. well, then the argument is still going on. And I don't necessarily agree with the way some of our sports people um, criticise various things like the line, the anthem name and all the rest of it. I think it's about time we sort of started to pay them some respect. That's all I wanted to say, Marcus. And, all right, um, well, I agree. Uh, and look, that's a really good call, Damien. And I look. I was a bit worried at first when you went down the path of talking about the Holocaust. And uh, but you're right. We do. We we condemn these horrific, heinous events in in our history. Modern, well, not necessarily well, world history, modern history, if you like. But we seem to overlook a lot of things that have happened here in Australia. And perhaps we we should be teaching. Uh, people in our schools, our younger generations, to respect and understand. Yes, the... I think it goes more to that. I think yeah. it goes it goes more to education. Look, I, I, I sympathise with the Aboriginal people. Uh, I was a friend of one of the last of the Aboriginal wildmen from the Amentire Desert. Uh, I personally brought him from and his sons, uh, Johnny Jungala and his his uh, relatives to uh, Byron Bay, where I live, back yeah. in 1982 after a couple of desert trips. Uh, they're an amazing people, um, and the persecution that they suffered changed the way that they think of us, and I think it should be the other way around. Yeah, and, well uh, Look, I'm not defending anything. I'm not trying to create arguments. I know what alcohol's done. I know there's communities have been affected in a negative way towards Aboriginals and the way they think and all the rest of it. But basically, deep down, we created a lot of that diffusion. And I think that, you know, until such time as we... You can't walk away from what happened in the past, but what you can do is try and educate them because, when I, and I don't like to use the word them, but educate the Aboriginal people yes. exactly the way that we educate everybody else and give them the opportunities they require so that they can um, self-manage to not just live in Australia but to be able to understand the world. Um, and I just think that uh, uh, we need to do a hell of a lot more in that regard and, and I'm telling you, they can teach us so much Absolutely. They haven't had the opportunity to teach us. And, and I think that uh, their knowledge of this nation and their knowledge of the world, you know, um, no one's ever asked that question. And they and should. I would imagine they'd be reticent to, to pass that on. But anyway, look, I spoke my piece, mate. I'm off to see my grandkids in Sydney. So, um, you know, I just was hearing a lot of stuff and I went, wow, this is not on. All right, Damien. So there's a lot to do, yes. There's a lot to do with yep. this... Uh, uh, Australia Day situation, a lot to reconsider. But anyway, mate, I'm finished, mate. Good luck with the show. I enjoy it, and um, yeah, well done. Great call. What a great call. That's what the open line is all about. Damien, that's a wonderful call, and I appreciate you sharing that with us this morning here on Marcus Paul in the morning. Marcus Paul in the morning, filling in for John Laws. I thank Marcus. He's a very good broadcaster, full stop. We love this industry. We love what we're doing. Marcus wouldn't mind doing a double at all. Marcus Paul in the morning. Call 131269.
Yeah, give me a call if you want to send a text. I've got a couple that I'll get to and some emails as well. The text number 0458 049 209. And the email MP in the morning, that's MP for Marcus Paul, not Member of Parliament. MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com. All right. Now, you compare that really, really good caller I had prior to the news to this email from Robert. Robert, what's wrong with you? Acknowledging the Aborigines is the subject of Robert's email. I won't be doing a minute's silence just because my side won a war. The losers have been crying about it for 200 plus years now. Are they ever going to accept defeat and just get on with life? (laughs) Too bad you can't Photoshop an ugly personality because, Robert, it'd be a pretty disgraceful looking picture. Right, uh, let's go back to your open line calls. Uh, Christelle, are you there? Yes. Hello, how are you? Thank you for holding on. I know you've been there for a little while. Yeah, that's all right. Um, I just wanted to say I'm a career driver and um, with the, the cars that have got the um, the speed detection in them where they're taking the signage off. That's right, I just yes. Think, I think they should hold off and I think if they're really not about revenue raising, they need to be putting more signage out for when the... the um, the speeds change and maybe, you know, when you get off the freeway and it's got those bumper things, every yes. time it changes, they put some of them out and then put a couple of metres in front of, like, behind it, yep. the new speed limit. So so it's not, I mean, while you're driving, you would be lying to me if you had told me you're 100% dedicated to watching out for speed signs all the time. I mean, I'm on the road all day and my concentration is fairly good, but I'm not going to say that I don't do anything wrong. But if there was something that triggered you, like coming off the end of the freeway to go, hang on, speed signs have changed, mm. and then and then on the road, painted on the road a couple of metres down the road, you know, the new speed. So just, just more signage, so you're more aware of what's going on. So if it's not about revenue raising, there should be more signage out there just to make people aware of what the actual speed signs are because they change. Yes, they and do. Then, and, it, yeah, I, I just think if it's not about revenue raising... Do something to make it obvious to people. All right. And then, and then also too on um, on the Australia Day thing. I heard a couple of weeks ago that you're saying about changing the date to the last Friday of every month for Australia Day of the fr- last Friday of February. Well, that was a suggestion from. Uh, I think from that's somebody. a great idea because I, I think that for most Australians that are celebrating Australia Day, yep. it's not. It's actually about being Australian now, not not a hundred years ago or whatever it was. Yes. You know, it's about being Australian now. And if you make it a long weekend, mm-hmm. I mean, that's good for everybody. And it's just the same thing every day. It doesn't. It's not significant to any certain day of whatever anybody wants to put it on to. It's just about celebrating being Australian. So. Why don't we do that? I think all that's right, Christelle. Yep, yeah, no, no problem at all. So you're a courier driver. Where are you at the moment? Like what city? Well, Maitland at the moment. Oh, okay. And have you been busy? Yes, very busy. Well, that's good. That is good. So, so yes, and and I can only see that I would be getting a whole heap more fines. Yeah. If they if they don't do it, like like I said before, like um, it's not about people doing the wrong thing or you know, I, this is my job and I'm on the road all the time, so. Help me do my job. 
right because I would be lying to say that I'm 100% dedicated to watching out for the speed signs when they're changing and I have been booked in the, you know, before. Yep. So, so just help us do the right thing because even the signs now, you know, you go past the sign and then you, you'll be 100 metres down the road is the next sign. So if you've turned around and you've got the kids in the back and you've just turned around to go, hey, blah, 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 to the kids in the back, you know, um, and you've missed whatever the sign is, it's not until you're another 100 metres down the road that you go, oh, holy dooly, you know, I'm actually doing 20 over the speed limit because it's gone from 80 to 60. Fair enough. You know what I mean? Yep, well, you're on the road each and every day and we should be listening to not only courier drivers like yourself, professional drivers, truck drivers, because you've got a lot to add uh, to the debate on, you know, making our roads safer. Thank you, Christelle. Have a good day. Exactly. Thank you. Bye-bye. Is it Kian or Kyan? K-Y-A-N. How do you pronounce your name? Is it Kyan? Yes. Okay, Kyan, what's on your name? Uh, What's Idiot, what's on your mind? I'm sorry. (laughs) Go ahead. Um, yes. Well, due to COVID, everyone's whinging and whining about it. Right. Yep. It's just we've had big breakouts every hundred years. Okay. Yes. And it's just we need to just get over it because it's just going to keep on spreading. And if we don't stop whinging, whining, going against what people are saying for us to do, mm. it's just going to keep on spreading, and then it won't stop. Yeah, so you're suggesting that uh, people need to follow the health directions, mask up when they're told to, uh, make sure yeah. you wash your hands, look after your own personal hygiene, and, and just follow the directions that are given to us from health authorities, and, and then we'll get through this. Is that what you're saying, Kyan? Yeah, because who knows, we might have another big pandemic in another 100 years. Oh, God, I hope not. I don't know whether we'll be around to experience it, Kyan, but thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Terry, hello there. Hello, how are we going? All right, thanks. Terry, what's on your mind? Uh, yesterday you talked about um, the Maori Treaty, uh, which is the Treaty of Waitangi. I don't know whether and, I did, but somebody brought it up, yes. Yes, that's right. Um, that king, uh, his name was Honeheke. That's right, yep. And he went and cut down that flagpole every year. Um, so they weren't happy with the treaty from the beginning, and that was 1820. right. You know, here we are in 2020, mm. let's say 20. Um, you know, so 200 years later, Australia still hasn't followed suit with what went on in New Zealand. Okay? Now, um, I heard after your show a podcast called Stuff the British Stole. Yeah. And it was about the New Zealand history um, with the tattooed face head. Oh, okay, yes. They're called, it's called a muku. Yep. And um, Joseph Banks and Cook, they wanted to trade something for one of the um, heads, but the Maori chief didn't want to part with it because it was his ancestor. Well, I can so understand Banks, that. <laughs> Banks put a gun to his head oh. and stole it off him. Right. Okay, now, 1,000 remains were stolen from New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And they've got 600 of them back. And, and like, they, the Maori, also um, want the Moriori um, remains back as well, which was prior to the Maori. Yeah. Okay? So, I mean, history is, um, from Britain, um, go around the world and steal stuff. 
So in, eventually, what happened in New Zealand was these heads became um, tradable, and they started trading them for muskets. And the different tribes would go and steal the heads from other people's caves. Jeez. Yep. Yeah, and hand them over to get a musket. Hmm. And then if you didn't have a musket, your tribe was weak and the other tribe could come and steal your woman and and your, your heads and everything. God, I'm glad we're not living in those times anymore, Terry. Boy, yeah, oh boy. Well, <laughs> the, next, the next podcast, I don't know if it's on at midday today or next Tuesday at midday. Right. But the next one's called about the bark shield. Right. Now, see, the bark shield is the most important piece of history in this country, Australia, because that is the key to the car. They, they do not want to give that bark shield back, which Captain Cook shot a hole through, um, because that proves this country was stolen by force. Yes. Uh, I could go on for hours. I... Um, they're, they're hiding Aboriginal history under concrete. Why People is it? Driving... Yeah, why is it, Terry? Do you think we don't seem to focus as much as what we possibly should on uh, this kind of history? Uh, why don't we teach it in our secondary schools? Well, they're not meant to be here now, Marcus. They were meant to have been gone two hundred and fifty years ago. They didn't realise there was probably three million Aboriginals here mm. when Cook came. You know, and there's only about three million of them now. And that's really sad. 250 years later, there's still only 300 million of them. And, no, and not three, you mean three million. There's probably, a oh, lot yeah. less, there's probably a lot less than that, I'd say. Yeah, but you get people saying they should shut up, they should get over it. The, the frontier wars that went on in this country, some of them went on for 45 years around the um, Hawkesbury River. Yes. You know, there was only one white man that stood up for them, and his name was King. And then when he got, he agreed with them to stop going up the Hawkesbury River to stop the the settlements. Yep. And apparently, there's still seven thousand Aboriginals living around that area. Yep. You know, um, and when King got sick and had to return back to England, that's when uh, the settlements kept, continued up the river. You know. This, just up the road from me, there is 18 bodies under the new highway at the Grafton off-ramp uh, from a massacre in 1860 where up to 2,000 Aboriginals were killed because one white man got killed. Now, you people need to learn your history and stop saying black. They're not black. They're Aboriginals. They're the original owners of this land. All right, Terry. Thank you for the call, mate. Uh, and look, you, he obviously knows his history. He gets quite emotional about it, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Thank you, mate, for sharing that. Uh, Celine isn't happy. Uh, the state government, I see, has apparently uh, cancelled a bus to Royal North Shore Hospital. This is important for listeners on 2SM in Sydney. Celine, are you there, Doug? Yes, Marcus, thank you. I always listen to you. Thank you for taking my call. Pleasure. Um, I was so shocked to hear. I feel very dizzy and I need to go off to the hospital now, you know, one of these days. And I, I just learned that the 144 that runs into the North Shore Hospital, just close by to the North Shore Hospital in the grounds, 
has been cancelled. What happens to the sick, frail and elderly and people who work at the Royal North Shore Hospital and live in Chatswood or Willoughby? What happens to them? Okay, sick? so that's the Chatswood, that's from Chatswood, Willoughby, there on Sydney's no, no, North... No, 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 that's yep. from Ch- Victoria Avenue, Chatswood, yes. uh, off the Pacific Highway. Uh, that's 144 that has run for years and years. So I've lived in this place for 31 years, and for 31 years this, this 144 has run from Victoria Avenue, Chatswood, right into the hospital. And I want to know why it's just cancelled, because it's so convenient, especially for me just now, I'm very dizzy, and... The loss of sick, frail and elderly and people who work there, they can't get this bus anymore. All right, we'll find out for you, okay? And I'm sorry that that's causing you some anxiety, obviously. Um, Celine, we'll find out. Uh, We'll get in contact with uh, uh, the state government and find out exactly why. The 144 bus from Chatswood to uh, Royal North Shore has been cancelled. And as Celine says, if there are a lot of elderly people who are relied upon that service to get to hospital appointments, etc., this will cause some inconvenience to them. Surely they would have replaced it with something. Yes? I don't know. It's been running, as Celine says, for nearly three decades. Check out Marcus Paul. Why don't you give him a call on the telephone? Here at the Grant Goldman Studios at 2SM... Thirteen twelve sixty nine is my telephone number. If you would like to have your say, a couple of uh, texts zero four five eight zero four nine two zero nine. All right, here we go. A minute silence. What next, Marcus? The trouble with all this division comes almost always from white people planting seeds. It will cause more division. I would listen to Jacinta Price over Zali Stegall any day. All right. Well, thank you for that opinion. Uh, Robert has rung, well, not rung because Robert actually is gutless, but Robert has sent me a text. Robert's a troll. Marcus, you are a peanut. Agreeing with Zali Stegel. No surprises there. She is so gracious, allowing to sit a price her views. You are a total wank. Good on you, Robert. You can get on with the rest of your day now. I hope you feel so much better. G'day, Marcus. What a whinge of that Helen or Karen or whatever Helen name was. Great show, mate. Shane in Riverwood. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thirteen twelve sixty nine. the telephone number. Uh, on the email, MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com. Morning, Bronwyn. I know you're listening to every single word. Uh, Bronwyn had a crack yesterday calling me a lefty. I said something on air, so she's come back on the email. You bet I will not listen to you again. You just don't understand just how rude and ignorant you are to your callers. We had you on this morning, and by 9.20 you'd been abused by a number of callers, especially the one about you using the term MP. Wake up, mate. You are not a member of Parliament and never will be, so don't use the term. Oh, my God, Bronwyn. Bronwyn, hello! Is there anything up there? Hey? For God's sake. 
I mean, you look like something that came out of a slow cooker on your email here, but for God's sake, woman, nobody said I was using the term MP as a member of parliament. Clean your ears out. MP, Marcus Paul, MP in the morning. Get it? Anyway, she goes on to say, Bronwyn, I would like to say more, but it would be a waste of my time and effort to have any further dealings with you or your second-rate show. Ouch. All right, Bronwyn. I just find it funny that, you know, you start your email, which you sent, by the way, uh, how long ago? A while ago, that you won't listen again, but then you contradict yourself by saying, my daughter and I were listening to you this morning. Anyway. And let me repeat for you, Broman, very, very slowly. It's not an airport lounge. You don't need to announce your departure, okay? All right, uh, now let's have a look here. A couple of people uh, in relation to Terry's call uh, about the numbers. We'll have to find out the exact number of Aboriginals who have been counted in the latest census because uh, they are contesting uh, Terry's calls. I I did say to Terry when he said around 3 million, I said, look, I doubt it. There'd be a lot less than that now. A quick Google search, according to Robert, says there are around 750,000 Aboriginals that were existing in 1788. Tell that bloke to grow up and stop making stuff up. All right. Uh, This one here from Dino in Casino. I agree with that previous caller who talked about the Aborigines being a conquered race and should just accept it. A conquered race. Dino, really? History and the world's borders are all the result of centuries of one race conquering and invading others. In any case, Aborigines are only 3% in Australia, yet expect so much. Yeah, but again, Dino, that's a little ignorant. Because you are forgetting that, okay, if they are only 3% of the total population, that makes them a minority. It also makes them disadvantaged. And it also makes many without the, you know, I guess, Dino in Casino, uh, the likelihood of success that you've obviously had. And again, it's just a little ignorant, I think. 131269, if you'd like to have you say. Cheryl's on the open line. Hey, Cheryl, how are you? Oh, hello, Marcus. I haven't spoken to you for such a long time, darling. It's nice Um, to talk to you, Cheryl. Hi. Lovely to talk to you. Lovely to hear yeah, from you. Yeah, you too. You've got a terrific show. Thank you. And uh, I've been in hospital. I've been very unwell for six weeks. But anyway... Sorry to hear that. I, wanted, I just want to say this. Well, mm-hmm. I've only got one comment to make. Yep. Marcus, if in, I'm fed up with this every year. And if the Indigenous or Aboriginals want a minute's silence... Yep. ...for what happened back in 1780 or whatever it was... Mm-hmm. 1788, sorry... Then I want a minute's silence for my ancestors that came over on the first fleet that was slaughtered. Thank you. All right, Cheryl. Thank you very much. Look, well, we do have uh, a minute's silence for fallen comrades. We have the last post. We have a whole range of minutes of silence for people who've passed away at sporting events. So when you put it into context, really, at the end of the day, what will the minute silence mean in the overall context of things on Australia Day? I mean, think about it. 
we have a, a footballer who's you know played for a, let's say a decade for a club. He passes away. You go to the the football ground on Sunday. They hold a minute silence in that person's honour. Okay, we have a minute silence for fallen comrades. We do it each and every November 11 and on the 25th day of April every year, Anzac Day. We have a moment silence for fallen comrades. Now, obviously, that would include Indigenous folk who have served and fallen on the battlefields as well. I understand that. But, I mean, a minute silence is a little trivial in a way when you consider we seem to have them all the time for everybody else. I would argue... A moment's silence, if you like, to remember and respect Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders who've suffered at the hands, I guess, originally, of settlement here in Australia. Maybe a minute's silence on Australia Day will go a long way to healing some of the fractures. It's just an opinion. Uh, you may agree. You may disagree. Thirteen, twelve, sixty-nine. the number. Marcus Paul in the morning. Email Marcus and follow the show on social media by going to 2sm.com.au. Okay, welcome back. Let's go to the calls now online. Peter, I think, wants to talk about a minute's silence. G'day, Pete. How are you, mate? Oh, good, mate. How are you? Good, thank you. What did you want to add? Oh, I, get, I understand the minute silence and all that sort of stuff, and we need to recognise um, what's happened in the past and all that, but oh, I'm just curious. As, uh, as we progress and we have all our diversity and multiculturalism and all that, do you think anyone's going to um, look back at, uh, um, I guess, white settlement and what, what the achievements have been from 1788 to approximately 1973 and pay homage to that at some point, or that's just going to get slowly obliterated? Well, I hope not. I hope not, and it shouldn't be. Uh, Look, absolutely it shouldn't be, Peter. We should acknowledge all of our history, both past and present, I believe. I mean, we shouldn't uh, dwell too much on it, but we should recognise. I think it's more about recognition and acceptance of perhaps some wrongdoings in the past. You didn't do it. I didn't do it. I don't don't feel guilty about it. But I also want to understand that, you know, there are some people that we share our country with, um, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, look, I think um, Australia is a success story, uh, a success story so far as multiculturalism is concerned, and, and we have developed incredibly in those couple of hundred years, 100%. And yet you're right, it would be disappointing if, you know, we're known only for perhaps not paying homage to our Indigenous folk because that's only just, you know, a very small part of our story, I think, Peter. Well, it's only one of us. We, we seem to focus on those, the, the Indigenous people, which is, you know, well, it's really fair enough. And uh, I think they need to recognise that they're actually quite fortunate who settled this country as opposed to what may have happened if other people settled it. And then the other focus group we seem to be is on the um, the very new Australians. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, like, it's like our country didn't exist until this era of multiculturalism. You know, not they seem to ignore the post-war migration. It's just these ones that have come in the last 30 years that have truly made us great. And it's like, really? I'm pretty sure we had roads and highways and cities and stuff well before they arrived. No, absolutely. Uh, let's... I would like to focus more on, you know, the great sacrifices and the rebuild, if you like, and the coming of age of our country since the First World War. I mean... 
Australian and our Australian folklore, if you like, our courage, our resilience and the way that we've been able to overcome adversity, I mean, you need to look no further than the, I guess, the shoreline of Gallipoli to work out where all that started. And from there, we, you know, we showed that we could be relied upon uh, when we were called to duty. And then we were very tolerant when we allowed, if you like, multiculturalism to take place in this country. And it's been, overall, a very successful way of building our country even though there are some that still jump up and down and can be quite racist and uh, a little bigoted towards, you know, introducing our borders, uh, sorry, introducing our, our country to foreigners. But, I mean, if you go anywhere else in the world, uh, say, for instance, if you go to New York, Los Angeles, London, all of these big cities are melting pots of multiculturalism and Australia is no different. No, I understand that, but like you say, we need to play to our strengths and maintain those strengths and standards, and that needs to be, you know, it needs to be in the forefront, celebrated. Yep, absolutely. It shouldn't, be, shouldn't be brushed aside. But anyway, good on you, mate. Thanks, good Pete. Talk to you soon. Great See call. You, Thank you, buddy. Doug, good morning. How are you? Doug's not there. Uh, all right, Philip. Good morning, Philip. Good morning, Marcus. How are you? All right, thanks. You, Marcus. Thanks. I dread the twenty sixth of January. Yep. I really do. Why is that? I mean, I've been well. We, we collective guilt. I'm sick of collective guilt. Well, don't Rod feel guilty. Said we're sorry. We all agreed we're sorry. Get over it. Yeah, but you see, know, is that, it easy as that? Look, I, I mean, is, I'm just. It is, Marcus. Well, you know, we talk you. about closing the gap. Yeah, closing the gap can only happen with the goodwill of the Australian people. True. Okay, and by doing this every year, they just get people's backs up. I understand. I understand. You know, education is the key. Mm. You know, old mate said the 2,000 Aborigines died up here on the Clarence River. That's wrong. It's not wrong. It's like, it's so wrong, it's like they claim we call them fauna and flora. You know, the mistruths about them is just so wrong. Well, I don't know whether it's a mistruth or not because I've not uh, dug into the history books, but it wouldn't surprise me. Look, there were a number of incidents that we wish didn't happen, probably a number of incidents that were covered up. But, I mean, I don't know, mate. Mate, all I'm saying to you is if we are talking about closing the gap, yep. don't worry about the 26th of January. Sure. Concentrate on what we're going to do on the 27th of January. Okay. What are we going to do to help these poor people living out in atrocious conditions, but mm. they choose to live there? You know, I've been... I, I don't want to go into it, but all I'm saying to you yep. is I dread the 26th of January because it's the same old thing. We've changed one line in a national anthem, and what have we done? Nothing. Have we closed the gap? No. Are we likely to close the gap? No. But it makes us feel good? Yes. Mm. That's the problem, Marcus. They have to come to terms with the fact that since 1788 or whatever it was, Mm. the country was taken over by 17 men, two armed in a rowboat. They rowed ashore. They planted a flag and claimed it for, for England. That's what happened. The American Indians had the same problem. They were driven off the plains by the Americans. History is littered with winners and losers. That's true. That's a fact. And you can't rewrite it. And you can't rewrite no. it. And we can't whitewash it. 
It is what it is. Rudd stood up and apologised. We recognised it was a problem. That's it. I'm not apologising anymore. I wasn't born then. I'm not 300 years old. But it's just, they've got to get over it. And I don't know how they're going to do it, but until they do, they'll never close the gap. All right. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. 13, 12, 69, if you'd like to have your say. Marcus Paul in the morning. All right. uh, Earlier on today, I caught up with incoming US President Joe Biden. (laughs) President-elect Joe Biden. Good morning to you, Joe. Hey, hey, man. Man, it's Mark, 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 Deutsche Mark. It's great. Here, here, I'm good to be talking with you. I'm, I'm Joe the Pigeon. I'm sorry. No, I'm I'm Joe Biden. Look, hey, this is hey, hey, man, it's it's happening for me. It is. Congratulations, it's you've been endorsed. Four and more you... months. Four more months. Sorry, yeah. I'm sorry. I've lo- you've lost me. Four more months until what, uh, President? That's that's what they're. Oh, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. No, I'm Joe. Hmm? Where? Where am I? Joe, well, apparently hey, you're on your hey. way to your inauguration. It's the big day, my the big day, my conflagration, and I'm looking forward to this so bad. No, you know, I I gotta. T- and Tom Hanks of all people, can you believe this, Joe? Wow, Forrest Forrest Gump, he was my role model. Well, <laughs> this I'm, I can't wait because you know he. He 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 got the the virus in in your country, and then they had to put him away. He said, "My mama always told me uh, that if you eat a a, a Wuhan uh, hors d'oeuvre, you never know what you're going to get." Well, you know, it's great he's going to be there, but you know, man, I I, I need to practice the speech. Tell me, what's the speech going to include, John? Well, it's where I say, I Joseph. I'm sorry, it's gone. Uh, no, no, Joe Biden. Yes. I being of occasional sound mind and body. No, yeah. that's the wrong. No, no. I do solemnly swear yes. that I will faithfully excrement the duties of the office of the president <laughs> of the U stated Knights, and that I will, to the uh, best of my ability, mm. pre- pres- preserve and project, protect, protect, and depend depend on the con- mm. the constipation of the United States. And and from all enemies, foreign and uh, Joe, what? where am I? Uh, foreign and, and domestic, and yes. so help us, Trump, a uh, God, and yes. God, God bless the United States. And uh, I'm so old, I can't even say God bless Greece in 2000 because it doesn't work anymore. Joe, good luck on well, your inauguration. We look forward to seeing you take the oath and and Thank assume you, office, and uh, well, I look forward to seeing I, how the Oval Office and the White House fit you. I think you'll do I, f- fine. I think uh, I think it'll be a safe day. I've had Dan Dan Andrews has offered to send a security company, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I'm looking forward to this in a big way. I got I got to go, man. It's time for my second sleep in the morning. Marcus Paul has Sydney talking. All the news and the views. Marcus Paul, weekdays from 5 a.m. on 2SM. Prawn Creole. Okay, uh, on the text 0458-049-209, Robin says, Sorry, Marcus, but your fake Biden interview simply is not funny and not good radio. All right, well, 
Thanks, Robin. You're going to love the fake Trump one that I'm going to play for you next. Uh, Neil says, Marcus, did that Roman woman really think that by using your initials MP you were claiming to be a politician? Wow. She either has to have a room temperature IQ or be on the plonk. <laughs> Bill, Bill says, G'day, Marcus, I disagree with the minute silence on Australia Day. It's a day for all Australians to celebrate. We get out and party, drink and have fun. There are three other days on the calendar where a minute silence would be more appropriate. I believe the 26th of May being the best. It would receive more focus and mean more to more people. A better day to recognise and show remorse. Saturday, February 13, the anniversary of the National Apology Day. Uh, Thursday, March 18, National Close the Gap Day. And Wednesday, May 26, being National Sorry Day. Why can't we hold a minute silence on these days? Well, that's a really good point, Bill. Thank you. And this one from Bluey. G'day, Marcus. How are you, mate? I love the show today. If I had your job, it would be called BS in the morning. <laughs> Bluey. That's, uh, okay, I've got you. Schaefer, the surname. BS in the morning. Ha ha. Go the Raiders in 2021. Cheers from Bluey and Lismore. Well, thank you, Bluey. I appreciate that, mate. Elvie, are you there? Elvie? Yes. Hello, yes. Elvie. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. Excellent. Now, tell me the good news. Uh, the good news is that Jane Smith from Forbes is 100 years old. Today? Um, well, she's having a party today. I haven't found out whether her birthday is actually today, but yeah. it's, it's around this time. Isn't that amazing? It is amazing, and I'd like to give her a cheerio call from the Forbes Croquet Club. Oh, well, that's gorgeous. So what's her <laughs> name again, Elvie? L-V-E-L-V-Y. Uh, no, your, your friend's name, sorry. Oh, Jean Smith. Jean Smith, and she's yeah. 100 years young today. Yeah, well, yes, well, I'm hoping it's today. I haven't found out that for sure. No, that's okay, but look, over today, tomorrow, it's it's an amazing achievement. Now, do, do we still um, have people receiving letters from the Queen once they turn 100? Is that still happening? Oh, I, I'm sure they would be, yeah. Okay. Yes. Maybe you can find out for us, Elvie. Are you going to see Jean? Uh, well, I won't be today. No. Okay. All right. But when but, you do but, see her next, wish her all the best from, from everybody at the John Laws Morning Show for us, can you? Thank you. Yes. All right. And uh, she, um, her son plays croquet. She doesn't actually play croquet, but her son plays croquet. I was going to say, if she's still playing croquet at 100, <laughs> she's not. doing very well, isn't she, Elvie? She's very well, though. She uh, lives on her own. She does all her own cooking and housework and everything. She's very, very good. That's amazing at 100. It is amazing. Oh, absolutely. Well, we wish her uh, all the best of health and many more years to come. And thank you so much, Elvie, for letting us know, okay? Thank you so much. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Isn't that nice? Jean Smith. Uh, I'm pretty sure Elvie said Forbes. Was that right? Happy birthday to you, Jean. A hundred years young today. <laughs> Great stuff. George, good morning to you. George, how are you? Oh, I'm good. How are you? Good, thanks, George. What's on your mind? Uh, uh, well, first of all, I uh, appreciate your program, man. It's great. I've been listening to it every day, so I really appreciate the uh, open-mindedness and the comments and the discussions. It's great. Thank you. appreciate your uh, your comments. 
No, no, not an issue. Um, uh, just in regard to Australia Day, I wonder how many Australians know that we actually have a constitution, actually a 1900 constitution. Well, actually, it was January 1901 when the Constitution Act was enabled when uh, uh, from the Queen's mother. That's right. You know, yeah, I'll be a lot of people. I've been doing a lot of research the last six months and discovering our history and knowing that we did have a constitution which binds all Australians and um, gives us uh, a federal, uh, absolute federal um, country, which basically we can self-govern ourselves. Well, that's right. Um, a lot of people know that we have a constitution, but unfortunately, not many people know what's in it. Yes, that's true. And it's amazing. If you look at the first eight, uh, pre- on the preamble, which is the first eight clauses, yeah. it's amazing what uh, rights the, the, the British colony gave us when Australia became a, a federal, because before that we were all like uh, separate states, uh, separate colonies, and then we became one federation. It seems like today now we're all going back to like before 1900, where we were all uh, basically just separate states and not, not as one federation as Australia. Yep, no, absolutely, I agree. I yeah. uh, I have a lot of callers from time to time who, you know, throw points up to me about constitution. And, look, if you really uh, read it to the letter, I mean, ultimately, mm-hmm. uh, I think um, our federation, if you like, is broken because ultimately we shouldn't be having uh, different jurisdictions making their own rules and laws, etc. Uh, you know, where there are a lot of taxes and levies, that we pay today, which are unconstitutional by the letter of the law, you know, uh, maybe if more and more of us, like your good self, George, paid attention to the Constitution, we might get a little further in dealing with stuff. Yeah, I mean, there is, um, there's a couple of political parties. There's one I'm following now called Australian One Party. It's run by a guy called Ricardo Bossi. Yep. um, and And he's speaking some truths and some, like, straight up direct truths about the country and where it's going. Mm-hmm. And um, also, there's another website which is CommonLawAustralia.com, which basically provides a platform for people to understand how our history got this way in regards to our. Because I mean, English common law is basically our highest law of the land. But um, in regards to the corporation, we have the Australian government, which yep. is a corporation, and they make their own rules and and regulations however they want. But mm-hmm. our true natural law, which is English common law. Yep. It's a completely different system, and that gives us our rights and our power. And in terms of that, 1999, I remember John Howard tried to get us through in regard to the um, Australia being a republic, and we said, no, we wanted to stay as a British colony, which we are still technically today a British colony. Yep. Um, and he lost that, obviously. A 56% majority said, no, we want to keep our constitution, our British colony. It gives us our rights because the politicians, the political parties, Liberal Labor, they want us to be a republic. They don't want us to be as a united and have us have the power. They want the power, mm. but they can deem what they want. And this is a, this is the issue that uh, I think Australians need to wake up. All right, mate. That's a great call. I really appreciate it. Thank you, mate. No problem. Thank talk you. soon, George. Marcus Paul in the morning. We've got the news coming up soon, and then we'll come back and talk to you for the final hour of the program. I was as sick of 2GB, as sick of ABC. Oh. Trying to lecture me I'm just sick of SBS And all the Murdoch press Is such a bloody mess So who the hell is Marcus Paul? What a bloody call Let's anybody call They call him up on 13 12 And he 
lets them say what they're thinking. Just call 131269. All right, welcome back. The final hour of the John Laws Morning Show today. Marcus Paul in the morning. John is back on the first day of February being a Monday. Artie, hello, mate. How are you? Yeah, good mate. How are you going? Good, thanks. I'm pretty, I'm pretty good, thanks. Yeah, yeah. yeah, good. You don't hear that name too often. Artie, A-R-T-I-E. Is that how you spell it? Yeah, mate, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you, know, you know, Artie Fufkin in the Blues Brothers, you know. Oh, yeah. He, he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Now, good movie, mate. Good yeah, movie. Poor, I love it. I love the, yeah, I love the music the, as well. He was the one that got them the gig at the Palace Hotel Ballroom, remember? There we go. There we go. <laughs> All right, we'd, I'd yeah. love to talk Blues Brothers, but you've got Australia oh, Day movie, on your mate. mind. Yeah. Best, best, best movie ever made, I reckon. Oh, good stuff. Oh, one of them. One of them. All right. But, um, yeah, no, Australia Day. Um it's it's getting out of hand. I know the um, the Cronulla rights didn't do it any fa- any favours at all because since then we've had this whole it's an opportunity for the cancel culture to jump on it and carry on about it. Um, and you know we've got this discussion that comes up every year: should the date be changed? Blah blah yeah, blah. We, yeah. Every single year we go through this. And um, I didn't I, I didn't catch his name, but um, I made the call before and said about how it was the date in 1949 because before that, actually, I'm. I'm led to believe that on people's passports, it actually used to say you're a subject of the Commonwealth or something like that. That's right, or yes. Or a British, British colony or something like that. Um, but, yeah, it's the, uh, the whole cancel culture thing, um, for whatever reason, oh, we've got to change it. And that, they used to talk about reconciliation. You never hear that anymore. Yep. Um, but what you do, and I, I've noticed there's a growing trend um, in the media, and I'm not going to mention any particular networks, but um, let's just say it's a taxpayer-funded one. Right. Um, There seems to be the option Australia Day slash Invasion Day. Yeah, I don't like that term. I I don't either. No. It's a growing trend, and it's, you know, when when they keep going on with that, it becomes acceptable. I think if there's ever going to be reconciliation, then the Invasion Day thing needs to be dropped because not is it... It's not only untrue... Um, because it's not that date of, you know, when the first fleet arrived That's or whatever. That's right, yeah. But also, it's it's offensive to um, non-Indigenous people. So I think it's counterproductive. Well, I agree, and, and I hate that term, Invasion Day. I mean, uh, for goodness sake, why do we keep having to relive this history? Uh, you can't change history. Uh, certainly you need to acknowledge it, but... Uh, by the same token, uh, you're right, there are a number of uh, of terms that have been created, if you like. Uh, I don't know whether it's come from necessarily just the ABC, but there are a number of uh, people who've been involved in this. I believe they've yeah. had their own agendas, and all it's done is cause further division. I hoped sincerely, exactly. I hope sincerely after, you know, Kevin Rudd made the apology, it was... A great day for Australia. I hoped it would all kind of just die down, but it hasn't. No, nah, well, that's, that's right. And, um, uh, I mean, the, everything, it's it's the whole political correctness thing is going out of control as well, isn't it? I mean, it doesn't matter what you do, what you say these days, you're going to offend somebody. Um, I saw a meme on Facebook the other day. Yep. It was a blank, a blank, or it was a square with a blank white, you know, there was nothing there yep. inside this square. And it said, finally, I've created a meme that won't offend anyone. 
Well, look, it doesn't matter if you offend people anyway. It's our right. It's, you know, someone uh, mentioned earlier things like constitutions and all the rest of it. Uh, we have a right to offend people. Uh, you know, there's a thing called free speech in this country and um, you could be offended by absolutely anything you like. Uh, but by yeah. the same token, you also have a choice not to be offended by something. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I think we, we all have an option and, and a choice to be respectful of one another too. Well, that's... And, um, yes. Yeah, and I, I think the whole Invasion Day thing is actually designed to offend people in a way. It's, I mean, it's some people trying to bring attention to the whole... You know, well, it's sensationalising it. it. I mean, it yeah. is. It's sensationalising it, and I don't think uh, it's doing justice to to Australians of you know whether they're Indigenous or otherwise. All right, mate. I'm going to leave it there, Artie. But um, because you brought it up, and because it's your favourite movie, and because I feel like playing a little bit of music, what about Ray Charles? Hey, uh, that's one, mate. And can I just say one other thing? Yeah, I reckon before Albanese, when. Uh, oh, what was his name before Albany? Bill Shorten, yeah. Before Bill Shorten. Yep. Um, I reckon they were grooming Tanya Plibersek. Plibersek, is it? Plibersek, yeah, is Tanya Plibersek. Um, Plibersek, yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if Albo reckons he hasn't heard anything or hasn't seen it coming. Yeah. I reckon he's lying. Because I reckon, and that's the only chance Labor's ever going to have. Or Jim in, Chalmers. In, in my opinion. Yeah, fair enough. Opinion. Jim Chalmers yeah. is also possibly a smoky. Jim Chalmers. Um, yeah, right. Maybe. Uh, he's pretty good too. But look, who knows? Who knows when we'll go to the polls? Uh, if the Prime Minister is that confident uh, that Labor is really stuck in the wilderness of opposition, then he'll probably yeah, pull yeah, the trigger. Yeah, probably, mate. All right, yeah. buddy. Uh, let's, forget you, about, let's forget about politics and Australia Day for the next three minutes and just enjoy this, OK? Better shake your tail, Bevan. Good on you, mate. Bye. Yeah, See you, buddy. Well, I heard about the fella you've been dancing with All over the neighborhood So why didn't you ask me, baby? Or didn't you think I could? Oh, See, wasn't that nice? Just for around two and a half, two and three quarter minutes just to forget about everything else. And shake your tail feather. Good stuff from the Blues Brothers, and thank you to Artie who called to remind us of, of that wonderful film, and the music's just amazing. Look, late last year, the Australian revealed a widespread talent recruitment scheme China is using to lure Australian scientists into handing over intellectual property rights. The Thousand Talents Program is a scheme whereby China will pay Australian university academics to hand over their research and then have it basically uh, copyrighted, if you like, or patented in China. And in most cases, the Australian universities that employ these academics don't know of what is essentially a conflict of interest. Their professors are selling out our country. There's now a renewed fear in the federal government that grant programs have been fraudulently accessed by people with ties to the Communist Party at a cost of $280 million. New research given to the Federal Parliament's Intelligence and Security Committee shows 325 people have participated in Communist Party recruitment programs. These are both China-born people who have full-time jobs in Australia but still hold employments in China and Australian-born academics selling info to the Beijing government. Now, in the information handed to the 
Committee is a story about a professor who worked on drone research here in Australia, who went on to train a People's Liberation Army scientist who then became the chief technician for a Chinese military drone program. Another bloke, a Professor George Zayo, was awarded $3.9 million in Australia to research energy while holding a number of positions at the same time in, you guessed it, China. And last but not least, the research identified former ANU Professor Yu Changbin, who joined multiple Chinese talent recruitment programs and then trained a man who became a chief technician of the Chinese military's fixed-wing drone swarm program. (laughs) Isn't that great? The Communist Party is not stealing, but being given access to our sensitive military research. And on top of that, we're paying for it. Sorry to say, but this isn't just a case of China being smart. It's a case of us being dumb and not delving deep enough into the background of these Chinese-born academics. And for the Australian-born academics who are selling their research to China, they should be reprimanded heavily for threatening our national security. Marcus Paul in the morning. Give Marcus a call. 13 12 69. All right, got a little bit of breaking news here. For the third consecutive day in New South Wales, there are no new local cases of COVID-19, and that means that the New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian is now flagging restrictions will likely be eased next week, just ahead of Australia Day, which will be good. All right, uh, let's go to the open line, 13 12 69. John, good morning. Oh, hi there, Marcus. Um, you're just talking about uh, selling off some of our uh, uh, IT and... Um, um, well, some of our know, knowledge, yes. Yeah, the, the knowledge. And a lot of people don't know that Australia actually made the first transistor. Yes, we did. Yep. And uh, without that, we wouldn't have had transistor radios or uh, stereo systems, televisions computers, etc., etc. We sold it off, virtually gave it away. I think I think it was sold, I'm trying to think way back now, mm. to the 70s when I was told about this, on electronics yep. tech itself, but um, um, oh, I think we sold it for about $5,000. <laughs> it was probably a lot of money back then, John, but Oh, but 5000 yeah, but, you know, the CSIRO and whoever else was involved with it, took them a long time to develop it. It was a germanium transistor, and because uh, and they did use germanium transistors in the old first, uh, you know, six or eight transistor pocket radios. Okay, but, yep. Uh, they realised that using silicon, they could make the transistors much, much cheaper. And uh, so most of the devices these days, unless it's you want the very best, they might use germanium with uh, some gold, Sure. Etc. But mainly everything is uh, uh, silicon, yeah, made from sand, basically, right. with additives. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I love your new promo with the dire straits. Oh, you like that one, do you? 
Oh, yeah. Did you think that one up or one of your colleagues? Uh, well, one of my colleagues, and I have to give credit where it's due to George Sitch. George is uh, a, uh, a, a wonderful musician. He's a very handy man on a number of instruments, including the guitar. He's probably not up to Mark Knopfler's standard, but here it is again for you. Check out Marcus Poe, why don't you give him a call on the telephone? Here at the Grant Goldman Studios at 2SM You can call him up and talk about anything Just dial 13 Impress Robin. Robin uh, says that we're simply uh, not good, not funny, not good radio. Um, Robin has strangely decided to send me yet another text. 0458-049-209. Robin says, ooh, magical, mythical creatures being discussed right now on ABC Radio. I'll think I'll pass on your upcoming Trump interview and keep listening here. Regards again, Robin. (laughs) Well, Robin, you can stick to your magical, mythical creatures being discussed on the ABC any day of the week. (laughs) All right. I'm just wondering, is your backside jealous of all the crap that keeps coming out of your mouth? Here you go, Rob. My, my fellow Americans that kept the faith, I would just like to sing about my last day and the future where I sing to this very tune. Yes. Oh, say, can you see such division and hate just because I tried to... Make America great. The election was rigged. Then to add to my woes, all my lawsuits tossed out by the judges I chose. Mm. Just one day to go and I'm supposed to concede to a sleepy guy who needs a walker to lead. Watch the Democrats fail, cause to them there's nothing that is finer than to cuddle up with Reds in the U.S. of China. Uh, Donald Trump, we thank you for your service. And the first person I will be pardoning is myself for singing. Mm. I don't know whether we'll forgive it, though. Thank you, Donald, for calling into the program. Good luck in your future life. And by the way, I will be back. That's a threat. We know. Can't wait for it. Thank you, Donald. All the best. Bye. Uh, That was this morning. Uh, Donald Trump calling into the program. Luke, hello. How are you? Hey, how are you going, Marcus? All right, thanks, Luke. Yeah, look, I just... You had that um, Blues Brothers song about shaking his tail feather. I think... Trump's having a few shaking of his tail feather in the last few days. Uh, he's put out a video farewell. Yeah. And um, I'm just 
he hasn't done the big pardon trip. I just want to know how many people have paid him a million dollars to get pardoned, and uh, has he pardoned Julian Assange? That would be the one thing that really, for me, would be really... That, that's a rightful thing if he could do it. Well, I think there's about as much chance of Julian Assange being pardoned by Donald Trump as there is of, I don't know, Donald Trump again being the president. Could, could be. Anyway, yes. And it's, uh, apparently he's burning a lot of the records, or actually he's renowned for ripping up a lot of documents, right. and the archives in the White House are going to sue him <laughs> because he's destroyed so many records while he's been there. There's a whole lot of stuff that's been taped up with sticky tape and they've, they've put it into the archives. You'll be able to tell the bits that have been uh, from Donald. They'll be taped together. And the big one is, that have you heard about the death penalty? He's, he's, he's sentenced 13 people to the death sentence, including one woman. Yes. And, and this has been rushed through in the last minutes. People are just unbelievably upset by the fact that w- what's the point in rushing through 13 deaths? Um, he wants lect- to leave a legacy, obviously. <laughs> I don't know. I don't get it, Luke. I don't understand. I think he has left a legacy, but just don't forget, remember Steve Bannon? Um, 6th of November, this is the election, he said, look, I'd like to go back to Tudor, Tudor, England. I'd put their heads on pikes as a warning on two corners of the White House. <laughs> he, was, he was talking here about the director of... Um, the FBI, Mr. Ray, and Dr. Fauci, the guy for uh, who did the, oh, the stuff on COVID. Yep. Uh, look, I don't know, uh, Donald. Hopefully within, I don't know, a week or so, we won't have to hear anything more about the bloke. <laughs> Look, just repeating that news out of New South Wales and Premier Gladys Berejiklian has flagged restrictions. Will most likely be eased next week as New South Wales has recorded a third consecutive day of no new local cases of COVID-19. All right, uh, if you want to send me a text, you can do that on 0458-049-209. I mucked that up, didn't I? I'll do it again. 0458-049-209. The huckster from Pelican. (laughs) Marcus, I'm offended by people continually being offended that your initials are MP. My initials are BH. But I don't want to change them to HB in case I offend the HB pencil. When will it all stop? Um, Here we go. Pete's on the Gold Coast. G'day, Marcus. These people involved in putting our nation's security at risk should be charged with treason. Yeah, that's in relation to that story that I read out in relation to uh, academics here in Australia selling off um, some of their ideas to the Chinese government. Well, is it treasonous? Probably. Uh, let's have a look. Uh, thank you to Paul in Townsville. <clears throat> G'day, Marcus. Great show. Keep giving them heaps. Thank you, Paul. We'll try. And this one. G'day, Marcus. That fake interview with Joe Biden was absolutely hilarious. Can you play it again by any chance? My neighbour in Narromine, Gwen, is also turning 100 this month. Enjoying the show. Ewan from Narromine. Uh, by the way, I agree with your other caller, Artie, that the Blues Brothers movie is definitely the best movie ever made. Well, it's wonderful. I, yeah, I like it too. Uh, look, I can't replay Joey Biden today, but I'll do it tomorrow 
Or even better, if you have access to the internet, it'll be up on our page later. Just go to 2smsupernetwork.com and click on Marcus Paul in the Morning. It'll take you to our show page and uh, there'll be a podcast of it there, a little video thing that we always put together for these things. Welcome back. Hello, Iris. How are you? <coughs> okay, thanks. I just want to say... Yes, um, The Aboriginal friend, they're the original owners of this country, okay? So, um, how do we know that hundreds of years ago, they didn't come here, say, from New Guinea, and invade, uh, come into this country and kill off all the natives that were here and took over? We don't know that, do we? Um, well... Yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, and I think you'll find it's a lot longer than, you know, a few hundred yeah. years. Yeah, but then we we don't know way back in the dinosaur years. We don't know way back then. <laughs> anyway, anyway, my children were born here. Yes, I uh, And I come from England, and I lived there for 20 years. Yes. Uh, but I'm, I don't own England. Yep. And I came here, and my, my children don't own Australia because they were born here. I mean, people, if, everybody uh, were born here, yep. they lived here, but they don't own the country, do they? Well, nobody owns the well. Collective, no, exactly. nobody owns the country because we, you no. know, we don't live forever, etc. Uh, you can exactly. own, you yeah. can own a little bit of it according yeah. to law when it comes to you know your house being your castle. I understand that, but That's right. we can't yeah. take it with us when we go, Iris. No, but the Aboriginals that they don't own this country because they were born here either. They live here and they've uh, existed here. They've um, scribbled their names on rocks. And... Well, hang on. Um, I don't know whether we would be... That's probably not a really nice way of putting it. Aboriginal art and artefacts, you know, to them is sacred. And, you know, saying that they've scribbled their names on rocks, yeah, I won't let that one slide. Iris, I'm sorry. Um, Aboriginal art is quite beautiful in, in a number of respects. You don't have to appreciate it. Uh, sorry, you don't have to like it. Uh, but I think we certainly should respect it. And I do. Absolutely I do. Uh, we want people, and that's the thing, you know, we want people to respect, if you like, European culture and what has happened since. Uh, you know, all those years ago, uh, you know, respect's got to be a two-way street, I think, Iris, and just saying that people scribbled on rocks and, you know, who knows whether they came here from New Guinea and invaded themselves. Ah, no. I think you'll find that Indigenous Australians' Aboriginal culture goes back millions of years, Iris. Uh, This is interesting. Mark from Maclay Island says, Marcus, can't people see that Joe Biden has got his dream of being the President of the United States, but this is a backdoor way of not only getting the first female president, but also the first African female president of the United States. As Biden won't last the four-year term and he will step aside for this to happen, I bet you this is the plan. Well, Mark, possibly. Um, But I don't mind. 
I haven't got an, an issue at all with a female becoming uh, the President of the United States. And if she's Afri- African-American, all the better. Marcus Paul filling in for John Laws. Call 13 12 69. Ah, boy, oh boy, a bloke's been charged after he allegedly assaulted police after being found not wearing a face mask on public transport. This happened in Sydney's northwest last night. Uh, this bloke became allegedly, well, allegedly became aggressive and argumentative towards two female officers claiming it was a violation of human rights not to wear a mask. Well, I think you're a violation of the right to breathe oxygen, mate. Jesus. At Castle Hill Metro Station around 9.30, these two female officers stopped and spoke to a bloke who was not wearing a mask. He didn't have an exemption, and then he continued to act aggressively when asked for ID, and he punched one of the officers several times. But here's the real kicker. This bloke was 72 years of age. (laughs) <laughs> 72 years of age. Boy, oh boy, he's probably lucky. Um, the female officers kind of held back a bit. Anyway, he was charged at Castle Hill Police Station with not wearing a fitted face covering on public transport, uh, assaulting an officer in the execution of duty and in- intimidating police officers in the execution of their duty. He was refused bail, so he spent the night in jail. Idiot. The officers weren't physically injured, but still. Anyway, he's fronting Parramatta local court today. The old bloke, 72-year-old, who thinks it's a good idea not only to not wear a mask on public transport, but punch women in the face. Allegedly. What a grub you are, mate. Hello, Lynn. How are you? Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Or afternoon, one or the other. Morning um, still. <laughs> um, I just wanted to say um, the Australian flag. Yes. Now, has anyone asked the Aboriginal people if they want the the um, their flag put onto their flag put onto the Aboriginal flag, Australian flag? Has anybody asked? Well, I've yes. I've asked a number of people of Aboriginal background that I've spoken to on on my program over the years. Nobody's directly called for it, but they say it would be a you know a nice okay. idea. Right. I was just wondering if that if it was non-Aboriginal people making decision for Aboriginal people again. Oh, look, no one's put it forward. It was just a suggestion that I made. I look, I personally. I would like to see uh, an Australian flag that incorporates all of our past, whether it's an Aboriginal past and also the Union Jack, and it needs to, of course, feature the Southern Cross. No problem. Why can't we incorporate all three? Yeah, but I'm just hoping that someone had asked the Aboriginal people first. Uh, well, um, yes, I have. If you, oh, okay, good. I've asked people of note, if you like, um, Jacinta oh, Price and others, and I mean they don't necessarily think it's a bad idea. Um, maybe it, it's look, I don't know, Len. We're just trying to come up with ideas yeah. to try and close this divide that seems to be uh, there every year, and I, I don't like it. I don't like no. talking about it every year. I could choose not to, but it's in the news, and you know. And the national anthem. Yeah, I loved hearing that lady sing in the Aboriginal language the other day. Well, I thought it was nice. Oh, but there are nearly four hundred languages. Well, that's why they should just go with that one. And, and oh, but but what, wouldn't wouldn't 
couldn't that upset some Aboriginal um, people? Yeah, because but, it, wasn't, it wasn't incorporating their language. Why can't they? So what? So what? I mean, I get upset about things each and every day. I'm upset that I've got to pay a toll to get home. Uh, oh. But I've got to live with it, yeah. you know, really. But couldn't each Aboriginal group, if they wanted to, yeah. turn, the lang- turn it into their own language, their Australian anthem? Why couldn't they do that? Well, each they one, if they, only if they wanted to. Well, that's true. That's true. All right, Len, you have a wonderful day, and I appreciate you calling the program. Okay, thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Aidan, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Marcus. How are you, sir? Uh, all right, Aidan. Don't call me sir. Sorry about that. Just uh, being a little bit formal, I was having a few conversations. Sorry about that. No, that's all um, right. Marcus? I'm just calling you this morning because I was really interested in your last conversation, or not even conversation, your last spill of information. Yep. Just into an incident last night in Castle Hill. That's right. Now, now I completely agree you shouldn't hit women, um, but this isn't Nazi Germany. And last time I looked on the government website, you don't have to show your exemption um, because that, that would sort of be like Nazi Germany when the, the Gestapo were asking people to show their papers. Oh. Aiden, Aiden, Aiden! Don't tell me you're an. Don't tell me you're an. You're, are you an anti-masker? No, I'm not an anti-masker. I'm just for people's freedom. If you don't want to wear a mask, don't wear one. If you want to wear a mask, wear one. But it's compul- Okay, well, okay. Let me put it to you this way: If you don't want to wear a mask, then get the bloody hell off public transport, where you can possibly if- infect other people. It's not about. But Marcus, who's dying from it? Oh, oh don't even go there, mate. Who's dying from it? I can tell you. I can put you in contact with a number of people who've lost loved ones because of COVID nineteen. If you like. You know what? I've lost a grandfather. My best friend has lost a grandfather. And just recently, another one of our friends has lost a grandfather. All three of them in their late 80s. None of them died from coronaviruses, all in hospitals. It came from... And what, what's that got to do with the price of fish? No, I'm just saying, Mark, if it's time that one and one equals two, and this, this is actually <laughs> Time that one and one equals two? One and one is always equal two. Yeah, and I can't really see the transparency with what's going on with the government. Oh. I've got to say, if the police is doing what they're doing, what happened to those young ladies? It's going to happen more often because we'll stand up. Well, it'll ha- probably happen more often because there are dickheads like you out there, Aiden. That's I- I'd why. Like you to say that to me in a boxing ring, Mark, but you'd probably be a coward. I beg your pardon? No. Yeah, what do you so mean? You wouldn't say that to my face because I'm definitely not a coward, Mark. If I just don't follow the narrative of every day, oh, you don't day follow day. the narrative, but you'd rather ring a, a public forum like this and spread misinformation and rubbish. It's not disinformation and the fact that you... Of course it's misinformation. The law states very clearly, Aidan, that if you want to take public transport, wear a mask. For God's sake, we're not asking you to buy a Nickelback album. But but this is the problem, Marcus. You're a reporter. You're not a police official or a government official. Stop trying to enforce things that aren't laws. But it is law, you moron. What is hard to understand, Aidan, it is LAW law that right now, if you travel on public transport, you have to wear a mask. Look, Marcus, I'd strongly urge any police officer to come and use that law against me, but I'd like to remind you it's not... Well, they probably would, Aidan, if you hopped on public transport and there was a police officer there and you didn't put a mask on. Uh, well, they probably wouldn't. You know what had happened? You'd spend the night in jail like the 72-year-old bloke. No, I definitely wouldn't. No, uh, 100% you would, Aiden. I can guarantee you 100% you absolutely would. Now, if you like, I, believe- I can and put I- you into contact with a couple of copper mates. 
Uh, I've got a couple of mates that are in the job. Would you like me to pass on your details to them? We've got your number here, Aidan. Maybe they can give you a call and have a chat to you about what an absolute moron you are. Aidan, honestly, I'm sick to death of people like you. I've got a couple of couple of mates. You want me to get them to come around, have a visit to you and explain why you need to follow the law and why you, whoever the hell you are, are not exempt from following the law like everybody else in this state. If you don't like it, piss off somewhere else. All right, just time for another call. Ian, hello, how are you? Good. Good morning, yes, very well, thank you. Excellent. Uh, Ian, what's on your mind, mate? Uh, basically, um, with the anthem and including Indigenous uh, language, yeah. it's, one, one, it's, it's, it's a bit difficult when you have over 400 basic varieties of language and of only hundreds of speakers of a language in any particular area, so to put yeah. Darug on there, to put Darug on there is, is just neglectful of every other one. And there is only one common language the modern world uses apart from Mandarin and Spanish, and that's English. Yep. And um, I'm really, you know, I'm a bit low for things to be changed just because it has a touchy-feely thing, uh, but sure. it contains hidden disrespects, you know. And and as, as, as you well know, the consensus issue is, is a little bit trickier than it looks. Um, yeah. in regards to getting Indigenous to agree on a common outcome for each and every one of their individual tribal needs. It's, everybody's different. I've, I've had exposure to Indigenous for over 45 years. Okay. And, uh, You're calling from Alice Springs, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, okay. true. Well, and just on another note, just in a price, I reckon anybody who doesn't listen to her is an idiot because she's on the money. Uh, and that's from a black perspective and a white perspective. Um, and she does tend to target the causations and try to get into people working on that rather than maybe pandering around. I've, I've known her for over well, 20 years, I've known I like Jacinda. I've spoken to her on a number of occasions uh, on, on my breakfast show. And we put a call into her, I think, yesterday, but, yeah, we haven't heard back from her. All right, well, thank you. Sorry to cut you off, Ian, but I do need to go because that's it for us today. And thank you for all of your your phone calls, your emails and your texts. It's been a wonderful few hours spent with you this morning. We'll be back tomorrow. Bye.